0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott.
2: Every day's a Saturday. Every night's a
3: night like this. Good morning to you. It is just gone 10 o'clock on a Saturday around New Zealand. Stephen McIver, not uh, Daniel McCarty, and of course, Grant Elliott. I, look, morning, Grant. How
4: are you? Morning, Stephen. I, morning to all the listeners out there as well. I
3: had to do my I had to do my worst South African impersonation just for you this morning.
4: So is Grant Elliot okay? <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I think you've nailed it. You, you rolled the R's for a little bit too long, but um, oh, I do get that often. I get that really often, like when people say my name. They just uh, sort of break out into a South African accent or their best South African
3: and, accent. And I've also actually gone out in, in sympathy with you. So you've got this magnificent beard with a, a touch of grey. I've just decided since I've been <laughs> doing some telly for all, I'm going to try and grow a beard until I have to chop it off. problem is it's all grey, which I'm not happy about.
4: Yeah, so yours will be all salt. Mine's salt and pepper at oh, the moment. But yeah, be... that's the la- the
3: ladies love salt and pepper. Let me just pay the bills for a moment, <laughs> Grant, then we'll tell everybody what's going to happen on the Saturday session and the Tui Mowers Club Hour. Welcome to the show. It, it is a good one today because uh, we're going to talk in this next hour between now and 11, uh, cricket. And there's plenty of talk about cricket at the moment. We're going to talk, uh, Grant's going to talk to me about why we could feel, New Zealand could feel a South African First 11 in New Zealand, of all things. Also, we're going to talk uh, UFC with Mike Angove, who is the, the striking coach for CKB, of course. UFC 287 in Miami tomorrow night. It is Adesanya versus Pereira. And then we're going to talk some boxing. So I'm going to school up Grant on some boxing because uh, April 27 is the fight for life. Uh, and Sioni Whamawina, former warrior, uh, also motivational speaker, lives in Rotorua. He's up against DJ Forbes X All Black, And that will be an interesting one to look forward to. And Troy McLean down in... Wellington on the NBL, which started the weekend, so there is so much to look forward to on the Saturday session. Brought to you by the Tui Mowers Club Hour. Actually, you know what, Grant? The, my favourite. You know what my favourite sound is on a Saturday morning? My f- uh, the lawnmower. Yeah. Now, so okay. So in South Africa, when you would you would you would you have woken up to lawnmowers on a Saturday morning? Oh yeah, on the weekends. Yeah yeah. Definitely. You see, I find that quite peaceful. I, my wife and I were looking at a house the other day. It was in the afternoon, about 2.30, and there was this lawnmower going. And I went, oh, my <laughs> gosh, maybe we should just buy this house for that little lawnmower going around the place. But actually, if you, uh, <laughs> if you text us on double eight double three, which is the Bed post text line, uh, then you can go in the draw to win uh, a couple of prize packs. Uh, Karen's nodding at me. Karen's got, hey, do you, have you seen Karen's luscious beard? He's got a ranger. He's total ranger total
0: ring
4: it of his. is. Have you seen it's it? It's extreme orange. I like it. Yeah, a
3: bit <laughs> talk,
5: of fancy about,
4: uh, talk about
0: salt and pepper. I've got the breakfast orange juice going <laughs> in here, boys. So, Thank you, Posey. Uh,
3: right across. <laughs> with the breakfast crew. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so uh, get on the te- prepared post text or even call us because Grant loves a chat. I love a chat. So if there's anything we're talking about with cricket in the next hour, then give us a hold on 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. End of the headlines in just a moment. Now, Grant, have you been watching the
4: Masters. Uh, I haven't. I, I've seen a little bit, like followed it, but um, probably only the, the thing that we'll talk about a little bit later, the extreme thing that happened, uh, which could have hurt a number of No, no, of no. We're not, we're not going to talk hole. about it later. We're going to talk
3: about it now, because I think, okay. it's, I think it's quite actually called, I know it sounds terrible, breaking news. But two yeah. two trees fell over out of their out of their own thoughts. Uh, on the seventeenth, I think, it was close to the tee box. Have a listen to what the commentators thought about this.
1: And the pink today. Oh, good oh. gracious! Watch out! Oh my! Oh, my God! Guard. Everybody's
3: okay. Holy oh, smoke. you should see Grant's face. <laughs> you should see Grant. You heard the thud, right? You heard the thud. <laughs>
4: Yeah, well, uh, funnily enough, I, I sent out the Instagram uh, message this morning just for everyone to to know what was going on in the show. And what I got back was the video of that happening. Um, you know, I, I had it sent three times. And uh, <laughs> these trees are massive. I mean, they'd be, what, in excess of 20 meters high probably? Yeah, they look, they look, like, big, um, they look like big pines, didn't they? Yeah, massive pines, and <laughs> it's so funny, the commentator. Oh, my God, I hope everyone's all right.
3: Well, I, I was looking, trying to see if anyone got out of the way, and I think, thankfully, the latest report I had seen that no one was injured, but that's, that's a TBC, but, I mean, oh, my gosh, uh, crazy. But the if you want to create drama, Brooks Kepka leads at 12-under. Now, who does Brooks Kepka play for? He's on the Live Tour and they're mm. all they're all trying to make this drama oh no if, if someone a live person uh, wins the open we're going to storm the green and i think it was kepke himself who said to the journalists hey shut up just shut up i'm talking to my mates and they're fine so where do you where do you sit on this one Grant? i'm i'm intrigued because i'm quite surprised you haven't been following because cricket i thought all cricketers play golf
4: yeah i love my golf i actually got fitted for clubs the other day fitted um, for
3: clubs Okay. Yeah, well, you have
4: to get fitted. If yeah. you want to take it seriously, you can't play with you know, average clubs. And I, my clubs, I've had them 15 years. I bought them from a loan shop for $170. A loan shark. A loan shop. Oh, okay, right. Shop. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, listen, the, this is mercenary golf. I mean, the, the one issue I have is potentially who's paying them, okay? But we did discuss this. Uh, There was an American uh, baseballer who was over here, George Consos, the the other day. And I spent some time with him and and we were discussing this. And I said, well, you know, if I got asked to coach Afghanistan Mm. in cricket, right? I mean, essentially, you know, they're governed by the Taliban. So he said, well, live golf would be like them putting 150 million in front of you. Then what do you do? <laughs> well, do you shake the Taliban's hand and say, oh, I can't wait to meet them? Well, what, would you, um, what would you
3: do? What would you do? What if, yeah. what, what if Afghanistan well, came I'd to you? Like to,
4: I'd like to think that you'd probably say no, oh. just integrity-wise with what's happening.
3: What if they dropped you know, like half a million a year in front of you? What would you yeah, do? I, no, so this, yeah, this is well, a really good, a, good
4: discussion, right? Yeah it's a sleepless night for a lot of people and a lot of golfers have taken it and gone, well, I don't really care what's happening in those countries. It's more, you know, it's about the golf. But um, I think essentially, yeah, you do have to think about where it's coming from um, and what goes on in those countries. I know that Daniel feels quite strongly about that. Um, But in terms of the mercenary golf, I love, love how Sergio Garcia got asked as well, and he got quite aggressive around the whole live golf thing. And um, Greg Norman's obviously been the spokesman for it. He's gone into a bunker somewhere, so he's ducking for cover. And Phil Mickelson as well uh, hasn't been on the news uh, for quite some time. So uh, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? Uh,
3: nah, I think th- I think it was Sergio Garcia yeah, that was talking. That I I, I gave Brooks to credit. I- I'm I'm in this situation. On the side of the players, you know, they know each other. So, what Rory McIlroy, we know, is incredibly outspoken about all of this, right? And go, Well, you're all a pack of tosses. Well, that's fine, Rory, but and you've got plenty of money. But if someone, yeah, I mean, our very own, what's his name, who just won the tournament? Who just won the tournament? Who's the key we just won? No. No, who's the – who's the Danny Lee, you know, he's – he didn't – I don't think he got paid mega money to go play live golf, but then he goes and wins a tournament, pockets $6 million. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Come on. Hey, uh, this is the new Saturday Session Mowers Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. If you were out mowing the lawn stake, tell us because you could be, in a, could be a winner, double three, or call us on 800 150811. Okay, let's, let's talk cricket. First of all, headlines because this is – Grant and I have had a discussion this week which I really want to go donkey deep in. As much as you can go donkey deep onto something. So, black cap skipper, Kane Williamson, probably going to miss the Cricket World Cup later this year because he's done his ACL at the Indian Premier League, which is not cool. They're going to wait for it to settle down and then they're going to have surgery maybe two to three weeks, which is not crash, hot. So, Grant, as far as the chances, this is the easy question to ask, as far as the chances of the black caps in the T20 World Cup go
4: now, what do you say? Well, I think it, the, the question that everyone's asking is who replaces Williamson and how do you replace a world class player? Well, one, you can't replace someone like Kane Williamson. He's an unbelievable player. Um, and the other question is, is, uh, well, who is it? Who's the person that goes and bats at three? And I think that all you essentially do is you, everyone bumps up one, one position um, in the batting order. So you've got, there's one position that's probably a big question mark, and that was Finn Allen for the World Cup. So World Cup's going to be in India, so you need someone that can actually play spin and play spin really well. So Finn Allen at the moment took the place of, you would say, Martin Guptill. Martin Guptill, um, you know, released from his New Zealand contract, went to go play in the Big Bash, now playing on the T20 circuit. Um, So they chose Finn Allen. However, that experiment probably hasn't worked as well as they wanted it to work. He's shown glimpses of um, you know, ability and, and talent. We know he's got that, but probably not the consistency that they want. So he's paired up with Devin Conway. So Devon Conway, he's there, there and thereabouts. He, he'll definitely uh, be, well, there's probably more pressure that gets lumped on him to take over what Williamson does. I think the two players you look at is probably Daryl Mitchell and Tom Latham. Tom Latham, I'd be reluctant to push up to three. And the reason being is because he's been batting at five. And what you want to do going into a World Cup is you want consistency. And you want consistency in roles and performances. So because Tom Latham has been batting at five and he's been earmarked to bat at five, he's kind of that that player that resurrects the innings. That's where I used to bat. I used to bat at five. And it's, it's quite a niche position. You can't just take someone from five and say, well, you go bat at three now. It's a very different role. So he's been... Um, you know, occupying that role and doing it very well um, for New Zealand. So I wouldn't move Tom Latham. So Daryl Mitchell's at four at the moment. So the question is, is is there someone like Will Young that maybe uh, comes in? Uh, Glenn Phillips, do we take him from the middle middle to lower order? Do we try and go with a Michael Bracewell instead of batting at seven or eight? Go in with the, you know, the Mark Greatbatch theory, like a pinch hitter. That comes in and has a has a whack. Um, essentially, I would go Daryl Mitchell at three. I'd push him up at three, and maybe Glenn Phillips at four. Um, that's that's how I would look at it. And then you're looking at someone like Jimmy Neesham to either come in or it opens up the opportunity for us to play Michael Bracewell, Offspin, Satna. Left arm ortho, and then Ish Sodi comes in in Indian conditions and plays as a wicket taker. So you play the extra bowler rather than the extra batter. So, okay, so you know
3: my strength is not cricket, but I'm, I'm intrigued to ask. And when we're talking, like I, I look at T20 a bit of a bash game, right? But you've actually, mm. you just don't get that wry smile off your face. Come on, I'm, I'm grilling you <laughs> here. Come on. Why why is uh, the fifth at batting at five such a niche position in T20? I mean, if you're all doing the one thing, if you're all going out there, I mean, I'm sure that yeah, I understand there's tactics to on yards, but why is five such an niche position?
4: Very good question, actually. Oh, so, I mean, when you when you <laughs> when you look at um, when you look at the power play, so there's moments in the game that you want to dominate in T20 cricket or in one-day cricket. Sorry. So, first 15 overs, um, you want to make sure that you don't lose too many wickets, but you also maximise the opportunity to get runs. So. Do you, you know, roll the dice and throw someone like Finn Allen in? Because if the conditions are great, we get off to an amazing start and we're aggressive, and hopefully he stays in, you know, and goes big. But we might want to sacrifice one or two wickets to maximise the number of runs. And then from overs 15 to almost 40, now all of a sudden it's about, you know, creating a foundation but scoring at a steady pace so that you don't lose too many wickets, and then you can launch again. Um, so number five is kind of like that position where if you do lose three wickets quickly, someone that can, is good enough technically that can consolidate, but also push the ball around and keep the runs going. So my role was like just one a ball, one a ball, one a ball up until the 45th over. And I had to strike it close to hundred, um, and take very few risks, which probably cost me playing in, you know, a lot of the mercenary leagues, because I would, I would love to have just gone out there and had a whack. Um, and then from the 45th over, Craig McMillan that then you're only allowed to hit the ball. So you have to be able to play two games. But then also, if you come in later, if you come in at the 40th, you should be able to whack it as well. So you're playing both those sides of the game. So I think to have that technique and have that mindset to be able to lay the foundation and be that sort of steady head through the middle, I think, does take a lot of time to, to cultivate that role.
3: Totally unrelated. You mentioned Marty Gabdol. Would you still be playing him in the in the T 20s s?
2: Uh,
4: I, yeah, I, I just don't know what what goes on. I think more it's more succession planning. So right? so so okay. Good so
3: to- let's restart the question then. Was Marty Keatle genuinely done when he when his contract was was well? They they always say mutual agreement. I think that's actually bollocks. To be fair, and I know he's pretty upset that the, I know for a fact he was pretty upset when the decision was made. So does make you wonder what the thinking is moving forward. Do you think it...
4: Okay, I'll save your face here. Do you think it was time going forward for Marty? Um, I think it was probably getting close, but I think when you say mutual agreements, um, he probably got a really good offer from the Big Bash League, looked at it, it was probably more than his New Zealand contract. And he... Uh, this is where I don't know what happened. Is mm-hmm. is he still available to play for New Zealand? This is what no one really knows, because Jimmy Neesham well, he turned down a New Zealand contract and went to the South African League and then went to the Dubai League, but then he was seen in the squad the other day. So does that open the door to everyone? Or what was the conversation? What's the difference between Jimmy Neesham and Martin Guptill and Colin de Grandhomme and Trent Bolt? Um, and I don't think the public fully knows. Like, We still don't know if Trent Bolt is going to be you know, someone that we'll see in the World Cup.
3: Well, okay, so do we, do we play this card and start stirring the pot a it? Do, do you think that because anyone that speaks out against New Zealand cricket uh, is suddenly shunned and put on the blacklist or anything like that? Or is it, are they going to now be, with the Williamson situation, do you think now they might be forced into rethinking things or do you think there is enough cover?
5: I
4: think there's enough cover, but yeah, I think, you know, convinced? when you, when, when, <laughs> well, well, we spoke about the Trent Bolt thing. Yeah. Okay. And it was obviously all the fans, and he's he's definitely a player that you want to see in the World Cup. Now, the issue I had with that, and we spoke about it a little bit last week as well, but it was you have to then go and tell someone like Matt Henry, who's been to Pakistan, he's been to India, he's had a great season, he's played well, and you say, sorry, Matt, we're, we're benching you. Uh, Trent's coming in for the World Cup. And, I had uh, no problem with that. Won't.
3: I have no you don't problem. have a problem. Have with that? I have no problem if, I, if I'm going to if I've got a genuine match winner sitting there and is now available, then fine. My issue is make a decision about what you are doing with these contracts. So either you are going to yes. com- commit to Cricket New Zealand, or are we going to use these? Are we going to use as you call the mercenary leagues? I love that title, the mercenary leagues, the T Twenty leagues, <laughs> as their um, what are they? As their sabbatical. But it'll still allow them to play. So, so this is, I think this is where you've got a problem too, right? Either where, who are you? Where are you? Where, where is your allegiance? Uh, do we have we? Is Lord in our dead thing?
4: No, I, I, I think that you're right. It should be treated as a sabbatical. And the big thing about this is you've hit the nail on the head. Is the contracts? Why can't we put them on a small retainer, where? They are still pledging their allegiance to New Zealand cricket, but for certain times of the year. So the narrative to the press is, hey, you know, Trembold's still contracted to New Zealand cricket and still available for the World Cup. But then all of a sudden, you know, the the, the the press hounds are no longer on his case. There's no longer this question and doubt. Everyone is available. But I think that that retainer then requires them to a, be fit, be available for certain amount of marketing and then certain... Periods that is agreed upon with New Zealand cricket.
6: Do you
3: think then, though, Grant, that the issue they might have is, is a bit of a safe one? If we, if we do that, and we, we are being New Zealand cricket do that, and we allow them to go and play the mercenary leagues, there is the mm. p- probability that we're going to waste this retainer on an injury. That suddenly they're, they're being pushed so hard, IPL, Caribbean, uh, Pakistan, whatever... And then suddenly the the gold nugget they've been sitting on says, actually, I've just done my hammy. I've just done a calf, I've just done my knee. Do you think they're playing the safe game saying no? So they're playing the black and white option, a bit, a bit like the All Blacks saying you have to play in New Zealand to be an All Black.
5: Well,
4: to understand what happens with the IPL. So the IPL window of 10 weeks is essentially the players break. So I don't think many people know that, but that's their break in international cricket. So if I was New Zealand cricket and I was contracting someone, I'd like to say, Hey, you need to have a break now, but you can't because they might be earning one point five million. But also, what you also have to realize is that New Zealand cricket get ten percent of every deal that's made in the IPL. So if you go for a million dollars, New Zealand cricket oh. get a hundred thousand. And that's kind of like the, the gift from the BCCI to say, thank you for allowing your player to play in this window. So, yeah, <laughs> now you understand it, right? So, you want to say to a player, take a break, but at the same time, do you really? So, this is an interesting point. Uh, I've got Steve from Rotorua on the text
3: machine. He says, do you think what we have been talking about increases the likelihood of Trent Bolt potentially playing for the World Cup now that Kane is out? I mean, we're talking well, bowler, versus, really. bowler versus better, right? Okay, yeah. so the comparison's are a little weird.
5: Yeah
4: it's, a, yeah, it's not a like for like, um, but the, thank you for your But match, winner, match winners, there. right? Match winners. Um, yeah, definitely match winners, and you want to go into World Cup with match winners, but if I go back to the reason why I would probably be reluctant to to play Trent Bolt, it would be purely about the team culture and environment. Because you're saying to players that have done the hard yard, sorry, you know, we're just bringing someone in to replace you. And I think that that creates a little bit of a bit of culture. And that's not what the culture of the Black Caps team is about. However, you change those contracts, which you spoke about, Steve, then I think it's a different story. Did you just call me – did he just call me – did he just call me Steve?
3: Wow. Is that it's all right? It's going to be a long day, isn't it? It's going to be a long Steven. day. Stephen, thank You'll you. Learn there Brunter. we go. And, 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 and now I'll be done on, on, on uh, texting for being a nob. <laughs> all right, it's 10.20. This is the new Saturday session, Mowers Club, brought to you by TUI Lawn Force. Visit our new Lawn Force website hub for expert lawn advice. Uh, and I just got a call in there from John or text going, Hey, I've just finished mowing the lawn. Good on you. It's been a big job in Christchurch today. We'll certainly enjoy a cold beer later while watching all the sport. Until you have a great weekend and that. You have a great weekend, too. Never know. You could be a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Hey, if you've got some thoughts on what Grant's been saying, should New Zealand cricket offer small contracts, retainer contracts, so then they can pick and choose the match winners, if they want them, for maybe the mercenary circuit and the mercenary T20 world that we live in, then give us a call. 0800-150811. It's 0800-150811. Or text us on the Timber Bedpost Post text line, double eight double three. 1026 with Stephen McIver and Grant Elliott in Wellington. Uh, just got a text in here, Grant, uh, from Australia. Hi, lads. Uh, you guys should bat Mitchell Santner at three so that he doesn't duck under the last ball of the innings and cost you another World Cup. Jeff from, from Blacksland in Australia. Mm.
4: Thoughts? <laughs> uh, I, do, do you know what? We've actually got a lot of players in that middle order that could actually jump up. So it, it will be fascinating to see what well, they do, because I think as a coach, what you do is you look at the tools that you've got, the players that you got, your top squad, and then you create your game plan around that. So unfortunately, a lot of our game plan was probably based around the likes of Conway and Williamson, both fantastic players of spin. But whoever bats at three will have to be proficient in spin. Or, like I said, do we go with someone who's going to try and get us ahead of the game and try and blast us out of, you know, that, that first power play or the first 20 overs get us ahead of the game and get as many runs as possible.
3: It's going to be really interesting to see how uh, Kane Williamson responds after they going through rehab, right? Because we're talking pute- ACLs. I know in rugby league they're normally a, a six to nine months, depending on how, how old the individual is or how well the rehab goes. I mean, how does this affect Williamson m- moving forward now in all formats of the game that he's involved in?
4: Uh, I think you're lucky as a batter. Um, you know, if it was a bowling injury. Uh, but, I mean, you know, these guys now, that they're so fit anyway. So they go into an operation being extremely fit and healthy. And, you know, I think he'll recover from it and he, he'll be absolutely fine. I think it's probably just the limiting uh, amount of work he does in the field. He might be protected a little bit in the field um, a touch more. But, you know, with injuries, it's about gaining confidence. It's about the confidence of the injury. And, you know, I've, I've been through three back injuries, stress fractures, and it's about how you come back with confidence. And the fascinating thing about injuries is you don't work with a psychologist. I always think that you should work with a psychologist so that when you do recover from it, you don't worry about your body and you don't worry it's going to happen again because there is that fear in the background. So you're not giving... Fully 100%. That's where I was going to – you beat me to it. I was, was going to throw my first 100%
3: in for the day because that's exactly right because <laughs> because there is so much fear, right? Because if it is your livelihood and you've gone through something like that, there must be that that sense of fear putting the first step onto the turf or whatever you're doing to go, if I do something wrong here, I could be done And I think that that site call is a a huge issue. You know, the rabbit hole we didn't jump down to, I missed it completely. And you talked about everybody's, because Gary Stead has come out and said, oh, we need a bigger break. You know, there's there's too much that the Black Caps have been going on. I think he was quoted along the lines of they've been solidly working since August of 21. Right. So, Mm. but you've just said they have 10 weeks off
4: if they're not playing IPL. So what's his beef? Well, I say 10 weeks off, but then you see the team is going to Pakistan. So that's interesting. <laughs> you know, the, the IPL window. So I, I'm going to Pakistan as well on, on oh, Wednesday. Go on, I tell us. That.
3: Tell us. Why are you going, Grant? Why are you going, Grant?
5: Well,
4: for five <laughs> 5 T20s and five one days. What are you going to do, Grant? Uh, I'm going to commentate. Yeah. Uh, Carl uh, Kyle, Kyle Mills is going as well, I see. Nice. Uh, so that'll be quite good. An old teammate. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, we be commentating with Bazid Khan, Sikandar Bat. So I've been there a number of times, but yeah, um, lo- love love going to Pakistan, my second home, Lahore. Oh, oh <laughs> <So> <laughs> are you the, are you the international voice?
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I think there's only one man that's been to Pakistan more than I have, and that's Danny Morrison. He loves it there. I'm pretty sure he's got a second home there. Actually, you got
3: to tell me this because I've seen Danny do his stuff in, in, in India with Star and whoever's doing it now with Geo Cinema and the whole nine yards. They love crazy over there because you know Danny's crazy, right? But he knows his cricket. Do they like <laughs> crazy in Pakistan?
4: Uh yeah they do they do I've done a, a few crazy things over there I think we're doing uh, we're doing role play videos whatever excuse me uh, to Pakistan role well, playing Pakistan music <laughs> no not that sort of role play. Um <laughs> to Pakistan music <laughs> oh and my that sort God. of went viral so what do prim- you know- what prep are you doing for your role playing and and what role will you be playing <laughs> well, well let me let me tell you the reason why. Pakistan has become, um, I guess, a place uh, of interest for me is when I played for the Lahore Kalandas, I had a game there where we needed five to win off the last over and with three balls to go. I hit a six. And for whatever reason, after I hit the six, we only had one wicket in hand. I've looked at the camera, and I've just done a bat drop, and I drop my bat, and as I drop my bat, <laughs> these green lights behind me just like shone up, and it was like, it's become quite an iconic sort of moment for the Lahore Calundas, so anyway, then kids started doing bat drops in the streets of Lahore, and sending it on Twitter, and so it went viral for a short time, and uh, I'm pretty sure if you... If you typed in Grant Elliott Bat Drop, you'd be able to to find it somewhere. Okay. I'm going to
3: um, I'm going to do that before this day. Is over. just, just <laughs> so? So yeah, you made it, you need to create a meme for that, don't you? Really, the 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 bat drop. So so let's but let's I mean let's go down what we were originally discussing before I took you off the path. Yes, yeah, you know, No, no, you know I took you off the path, man. I wanted to know more. Uh, <laughs> so this whole idea of needing more time off, yeah, uh, you haven't really said to me. Is he, is he
4: blowing smoke up his bum about this one or what? Listen, I think I think that it is it is a thing, um, you know, with players and, you know, I always I always thought when I was playing domestically and I was like, why do the international players get paid so much more than domestic players? But, you know, you're away from I was away nine months at one stage playing international cricket, and you go from hotel to cricket ground. Your life becomes a bit of a blur, and you give up a lot. There's a lot of sacrifices that you make, and you cannot underestimate the sacrifices that sports men and women make to be at the top of their game. So I think that they have to factor in um, those breaks. And it's more a mental break. It's not a physical break. For me, it's a mental break, and that has the, the effect on, on, on your physical. But also, you prepare yourself for it. Like You know, hey, this is my livelihood. I'm going to be away for a long period of time. So you, you do um, you prepare yourself for it. But players like Williamson, Bolt, Southey, Mitchell now, Um, You know, they're the players that play all three formats. I don't really buy into it for players that just play white ball stuff. I just saw the bat drop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. You should look at your
3: face and that bat drop. It's like... Don't mess with me, you mofos. It's like, yeah, <laughs> i just put one over the, 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 the fence. Thanks for coming. That's brilliant. <laughs> uh, this is the Sunday session. Mowers Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. Uh, they've got everything you need to prepare. Plant and nourish your best lawn. Actually, a mine lawn. that doesn't look that flash at the moment, to be fair. Mind you, I get someone to mow it. Is that is that, is that being a total Aucklander when I say that? Like I get someone to mow
4: my lawn? Yeah. I think, I think that is. I think you need to mow your own. Uh, yeah, that I just. It's I'm, therapeutic.
3: I know. Look, it is therapeutic, but I don't look after my mower. So every time I buy a mower, then within it's like two years, it's like rusted and stuffed. Anyway, Anyway, this is the Saturday Session Mowers Club. We haven't even got on to a South African New Zealand 11, nor today's final T20 in Queenstown. We'll talk about that in just a moment. If you want to comment on anything that Grant and I have been going over in the last 30, 30 odd minutes, I 800 that's 800 or get on the temper Bed Post text line that's 8883 on
1: SENZ to the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott
2: Everything
3: on the Saturday Session in the Mowers Club, brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. A bit of Rod Stewart, rockin' Rod, who was in Wellington last night and has suddenly become Grant Elliott's newest fave. What was it like, man? He's, what, 72, 73? Can he
4: still swing the old skinny hips? Mate, he is not 72, 73. I'll tell you what. What is he, 78? um, We finished the... You're 78. <laughs> oh, my god! <gosh. laughs> <laughs> Mate, we finished We finished the T20. Oh, actually, during my commentary stint, Katie Martin flashed. She was taking her mum, and she flashed a little placard behind Craig McMillan, and we were commentating together, and it said, two free tickets to Rod Stewart. So I kind of, like, ignored it. I was like, uh, it's just not my game. And then I said to Macca on air, I was like, so you're going, Macca? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you saw that. Two free tickets, are you going? He goes, I Yep, I'm going I said um, I said "Oh, what Are you taking me with you As your date And he goes Nah <laughs> uh, But he eventually Eventually he did And we went And uh, Cindy Lauper Was on first She's 69 years of age And can she still sing um, Can she
3: still Has she still got it
4: Yeah I mean she still got it She got up on the um, One of the uh, The speaker system Which oh was gosh. a meter high in the air And I was like If she falls off This is broken hip material <laughs> Um, Why is it with older people we always say strike broken hips? Yeah, well, that's what happens, (laughs) isn't it? And then there was like garden furniture. So there was 8,000 people, but it was like, you know, the white garden furniture chairs and everyone was sitting. So that was interesting. (laughs) Like it was a rock concert, but everyone was sitting. Because, I mean, everyone was 20 years older than me, at least. So did you um, feel like you needed your gold card? Yeah, you did. (laughs) Like you took the bus there and (laughs) a discount. And then um and then Rod came on and I was like oh here we go and you know what and he was bloody good he was he was seriously good Rod was he was good like I'm actually more of a fan I've played a few songs on my spotify list since the concert <laughs> he's an entertainer what did he start with um gee I can't even remember oh, what the it song was it was. memorable in yeah. we I, I no i <laughs> Because I don't know the songs that well, but Maggie May was one of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you think I'm sexy and you like whatever that one's called. That was the one um, we he just played. played. All the bangers. Hey, all the, yeah. bang- so, all uh, the bangers. So hang on.
3: 8,000 people. Where was it held? At the RSA in Petone or
4: something? No, Forsyth Bar. The, um, oh,
3: you're the, in Dine- the... <laughs> Sorry,
5: you're in Dunnett's. Yeah, Dunners, <laughs> Dunners. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. And then he's got one in Napier. So I know someone who loves Rod, um, and I'm not going to name him. But no, he's them. going to. Name and he's, shame. He's follow. He's following him around the the country. No, come and on. And so Hamish, come on. Hamish French just enjoy it. He gets front <laughs> front row seats, and Frenchy's up there. He's pointing at him and waving. And yeah, where's a Celtic shirt? <laughs> oh mate, that is that is epic. I mean, when it comes to
3: concerts like that, do you start feeling your age? And you go, hang on, I'm just rocked out to a seventy eight year old.
4: No, I, I love that. I bought Katie Martin and, uh, Craig McMillan a Rod Stewart t-shirt as well. And Craig McMillan refused to wear it, but I I put it on, and me and Katie put it on. It's Rod when he's about 20 years of age. Br- and they've got the
3: long, sort of spiky hair and the whole nine yards. Oh, that, that is brilliant, mate. This is the Sunday session at Mowers Club. And also Concert Review brought to you by Tui Lawnforce and uh, Grant Elliott. We, we are talking cricket and concerts. And and why not? Because, I uh, mate, i got to be honest with you, though, when I was doing radio, he was hot. So that tells you how. Uh, we're moving on. Uh, text on the Timber bedpo text line, the Black Caps. This is from Peter McSee. I thought it was from Mc Peter McGlashan for a minute, but he, who knows. Uh, the black caps are a national team and should be chosen from the best that are available for the time needed. They're offered slots in T20 leagues because they are the stars. If the lesser lights get dropped back, it's a chance to say I will lift my skills. If you think the best players can't get in, it may be a recipe for complacence.
4: Thoughts? Yeah. I, I guess I always look at it and I say, you know, look at Matt Henry. Trent Bolts has left the team. Look at what Matt Henry's done this year. He's had a great calendar year. You know, you think in a, a corporate sense, your best salesperson, um, you're scared of losing them, and all of a sudden you lose them, but everyone raises their game by 20%. And I think it's also it's also the team organically, how that team changes, because we were speaking about roles. Everyone's roles change because Trent Bolts and Tim Sauer, they open the bowling. and they swing the ball Trent normally got two wickets or whatever, maybe came on a little bit at the death. Now, you might have to change that up a little bit. We've got Carl Jamison, who hopefully he gets back from his injuries there. But maybe we bowl Lockie Ferguson at the start, you know? Maybe he plays and we just go all out 150Ks at the start. You know, there's different ways to skin it. And then you, because your roles change, the dynamics of the team and, and the way that players play will change. So it just takes a different form. And I think everyone is good. It was a good message, but everyone does raise the game in a certain percentage. But it's probably more in a different direction to where the team wants to go.
3: And under pressure and pay packet as well. I Hate to say it like that, but sometimes that's probably is what it's about too. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Bruce is on the line from Christchurch. Good day, mate. How are you,
6: Stephen? Good morning. Yes, good morning. Um, nice to listen to you guys. Morning, Grant. Um, good day, Bruce. Uh, uh, um, uh, I've had a close here on your on your talk and so on, and a lot of theoretical um, uh, suggestions and uh, options and all that sort of thing. And I've got a, a quick three part question. One, uh, uh, generally in cricket, and I played a bit of cricket, even as an opener, and all bat all players out there. Ideally, you want to be out there and bat as long as you can and not get out. So, I would rather not not put all the eggs on the table and say, hey, I want you, you to go out there as an Oprah and have a go and let's take a chance and see if maybe we can get ahead of the run rate. I'd rather, I'd rather see um, the bowlers, because you, um, in theory, you're assuming your opposition um, bowlers, you can play good shots and big shots, but a lot of the time, the top four or five teams in the world have got world-class bowlers, so you've got to play them on their merit. Secondly... Would you rather have, and how, how do bowlers feel uh, in a team? Did, do they like to actually be put in a position of pressure to go out there and bat in an innings? Or would they rather um, not have to bat? And thirdly, my theory on the cricket is I would rather get everybody involved in most cases and actually bowl first Get everybody touching the ball and out there and putting pressure on the opposition, rather than nervously sitting in the shed waiting to see what's going to happen, and then and then you you may not get involved in the game till forty five overs as a bowler. So so there you go, just a couple of things to to give me an answer on.
4: Yeah, good good questions there, uh, Bruce. So I think the first question. Um, you like openers to essentially not be pinch hitters. Uh, But I think the reason why, you know, we've had, or we've seen in the last, you know, two decades is, batters come out and just try and blast it. We've seen, you know, the introduction of pinch hitters is because, or more aggressive players, that's the best of the batting conditions. The pitch is great. And that sort of flows onto your third question is like, yeah, if you want to bowl first in India, remember, these pitches, they might actually, you know, become worse over time. So you have to make that decision. So making those decisions around the conditions, um, and then your second question about bowlers: do they like to be put under pressure batting? Well, no, of course they don't. Um, yeah, no, no bowler likes to to be, um, you know, put under pressure at the end of an innings because, I mean, that they'd rather bowl a Yorker than uh, try and hit a six. But we saw Ish Soti the other day. Who, um, who hit a six and, and got the tie in Eden Park. I mean, it's great when it happens. Um, but, yeah, we, we definitely want to see the batters being put under pressure.
3: Thanks for the call, Bruce. Appreciate that on the Saturday session with the Mowers Club, brought to you by TUI Law Enforce. In a moment, we go to the odd show on a Saturday morning. Bill McCarty and Grant Elliott. this is the Saturday Session Mowers Club, brought to you by TUI Lawn Force with Stephen McIver and Grant Elliott. Remember, TUI Lawn Force are the experts in lawn care. Mike Angove, live out of Miami, ahead of Pereira Adesanya 2 tomorrow. Can Izzy get the belt back? That is a question we will be asking. But time to go to the weird, the wonderful, which means it's time for Grant Elliott and the Ocho Grant.
4: Yeah, well, there you go. The ocho, the bizarre, quirky, and the odd from the sporting week that we've just seen. Well, we heard earlier that play was suspended during the second round of the Masters Golf Tournament after a huge pine tree, wasn't just one, I think it was about two or three, came down on a group of spectators near the 17th hole. The moment was caught during the live television broadcast as the trees fell and the commentary team can be heard shouting, Watch out! Oh my goodness! I hope everyone is okay, holy smokes. It was unknown if anyone was hurt during the terrifying incident. Let's hope they weren't. Um, the spectators could be seen crawling out from underneath the branches. And here's the audio if you haven't heard it.
1: In the pink today. Oh, good oh. gracious, watch out!
2: Oh my, oh my God, everybody
1: is
4: okay.
2: Holy smokes.
4: Yeah, real American there. Oh my God, holy smokes. Um yeah that's as good as it gets well hopefully I love your no one care and attention there <laughs> well let's hope no one was injured and the the reports are that no one was injured so okay. uh, let's keep it at that uh, but yeah watch out for pine trees i mean that's bizarre just how does a pine tree just fall down Weird. Uh, but it is the Ocho. show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
3: the quote of the day. We live in a country that cuts pine trees and it got going everywhere. Go watch out for pine trees. That's your quote of the day. If you're driving, watch out for a pine tree. Quote: Grant yeah. Elliot.
4: Good We're going to have a Saturday Sesh T-shirt
3: saying, watch out for pine trees. I think that is it. That <laughs> is it. Watch out for pine trees, 10.53. We've got a couple of minutes. Just today before we get to, uh, we have to go to a break and get on to uh, something you'll love, which is beating people up. Uh, you you did it with the bat, and the bat and the bat drop. Have you got one more for us?
4: Yeah, yeah. We've got, uh, so Stephen Adams basically just doesn't lift weights. The NBA player Paul George on his podcast made an all-time top five of role players, players that he's actually played with. And he picked Steven at the center. He drops this shell. Can you believe it?
0: My five, I'm going to go with, with the big fella, Steven Adams. I'm going to go with the big fella, Steven Adams. That's that's my five. as my role player. He gonna definitely, best definitely screener. Back. One of the best screeners I ever played with. Shout out, Steven Adams. How strong is he? I've heard stories like this oh guy is God. just like if you get hit with the screen, it's like it's your... Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. You get hit by Steven Adams. Like you will. Like your bell is rung. Literally, your bell is rung. And 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 he's like he's one of those dudes that don't lift weights. He does like, like really. He he does not lift weights, bro. The he does not lift. He's just naturally strong. <laughs> How
4: good is that? Do you hear the guy whispering in the background? A Viking.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Man, Stephen Adams is a, is a beast, full stop It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't lift weights he's, He is an absolute monster Have you ever met Stephen Oh yeah, I've met him actually he's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the nicest bloke ever But he knows he's Stephen Adams, right? So you don't mess with him
4: Well, I, I don't know if the rumours are true But I heard that he could down a bottle of Shiraz I mean, that is Viking <laughs> sort of stuff no, you can do that. You are such a cricketer. You are such a cricketer, man. I've been around cricketers too long, and the most
3: important thing for a cricketer after a game, or even if it's a commentator, where's the red wine? I need that red wine. I just need that red wine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Showing his colours today. Watch out for those pine trees, folks. It's 10.56. Coming up, we're off to Miami to talk Adesanya Pereira 2 with Mike Hankov here on the Saturday session with New Tui Lawnforce Force Hub.
1: This is the Saturday session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott.
3: It's 11 o'clock on the Saturday session. Is that music from Friends? Have I just f- figured out that, that music's from Friends? It's not from Friends. Stephen McIver and Grant Elliott. Grant Elliott's still buzzing after watching Cindy Lapa try and break a hip and also Rod Stewart <laughs> uh, do his thing. And what's even worse? Well, it's good, I suppose. Grant Elliott bought T-shirts with Rod Stewart. So are you going to walk out in, in the street today with your Rod Stewart T-shirt on? That's That's the important question.
4: No, so I bought the T-shirts for Katie Martin and Craig McMillan, oh, and then they on. didn't wear them. So I wore it on the night okay. just for photo oh, okay. evidence, and then I've given them the T-shirts because we normally do a sweepstake mm-hmm. uh, with commentary, and I'm not commentating the, the T20 game today, mm-hmm. but um, the gift for the sweepstake is going to be a Rod Stewart have T-shirt. You, have you got a photo of you in the T-shirt? I do. Okay,
3: yeah. post it, please, on your Instagram profile. What's uh, your Instagram profile? Yeah, your, um, what's your no. Instagram profile? What's your Instagram profile? Is it at, oh, it's at Grant Elliot, isn't it? It's at Grant yeah. Elliot. Okay, you've got uh, 10 minutes to do that and get on so we can actually have a look at it and then make fun of you for the next two hours. All right, it's as simple as okay. that. It Done. is 11.01. <laughs> I'm just looking at Kieran, and it's time to go to Miami Live because the big one tomorrow in UFC 287 is Israel Adesanya, Pereira 2. Uh, Adesanya looking to get that middleweight belt back, and Mike, of course, is the striking coach for Israel Adesanya. Hello, Michael. G'day, mate. What's going on? Uh, well, we're talking to you now. Are you in the middle of training? it's about seven o'clock over there.
7: Actually, we've uh, we've tailed off for the day. We're just uh, just about to have our uh, post weigh-in celebration meal because obviously Israel weighed in uh, well under this morning. He was one hundred and eighty four point five uh, pounds. The limits are. 185, and he did that without doing a cut, so um, he's he's almost going in at walk-around weight, so that's pretty impressive.
3: Alright, mate, uh, Grant Elliott's joining us. He's going to ask you a couple of questions shortly, but I've got, I got to ask you this question, and I, I know being inside the camp, being part of the camp, you're always looking WWW. Are you of the belief right now that following that loss, that this time around he's got Pereira's number, or is it going to be as tough as it was last time?
7: Well, I think there's two things to that. There's one uh, these these guys are actually incredibly close. They've fought well contested bouts throughout. The results don't entirely tell the story of the fight. Um, In the uh, second kickboxing fight Pereira um, again, uh, got caught at the end of the round and had about a 13-15 to second eight count. So you know, uh, very competitive, and uh, he was well behind when he came back and clipped dizzy. He managed to do it again. So we have to bear that in mind, that they're both very capable of hurting each other. It's uh, really uh, Alex's power has got him out of trouble on a couple of occasions, and he's very comfortable with that. He has extraordinary, once-in-a-generation power, and that makes preparing a fight for him or, or a strategy for him very difficult because he can always something out or derail um at the 11th hour which is what he did last time so are we confident yes we think we've uh, done the right work and we've got the right tools um we've got the right athlete but you know this is the elite of the elite Paheda is one of the greatest kickboxers in that weight division of all time um israel is one of the greatest mma fighters in the middleweight division of all time uh, so you're talking about the absolute pinnacle of the game, uh, and you know that that's where we're at. Uh, if you're asking, do we feel confident? Yeah, we feel confident. Um, but you know, like anything, uh, fight sports is an incredibly harsh mistress. Um, you know, you you can't uh, play a game of rugby, run in six tries, and then lose because someone scores a tr- great try against you. That is how fight sporting fight sports are. You can lose. Quite dominating a great portion of the fight and for us what that means is you need to maintain focus intensity sharpness and conditioning throughout because you're dealing with a guy who has great power incredible powers of recovery and a very very steely resolve to win
4: hey mike great to have you on the show and and listen to your insights and and also we know how busy you are in camp at the moment um in the lead up to this fight but what i wanted to ask it was the uh, mental side of the of fighting you know once you you get a loss um you know how do you go about getting over that mental side of it you can obviously be in physical shape but what do you do to get over that because i mean that must be quite scarring for you and they've met a number of times so is a lot of this fight about getting over that that mental hurdle
7: Um, Look, we wouldn't have accepted the fight if we weren't getting over that mental hurdle. Um, Israel is a fighter who never backs away from a challenge. He has taken on all comers and has never shied away from any fighter. Um, That's just the the nature of of the athlete that that we have there. Um, In terms of... You know, and you'd probably appreciate this. Look, if you've got a guy who's slinging down a a, a quick ball that's 155, 160 kilometres an hour and you've been clipped on the helmet once or twice, yeah, of course you're going to be cautious and you know you need to have your your defences and your your reaction time right on point. But you prepare for it, and we're prepared for it. And, uh, you know, you can only... Uh, do what you can do in terms of readying yourself, understanding the fight you're against, um, and understanding what weapons are likely to come at a particular position in the cage. And that's that's all you can do. Uh, at this level, both these guys have had over 100 fights. They've both had losses. They've both been uh, stopped um, you know, previously um, because they are two of the greatest fighters of all time. And uh, if they didn't have the mental fortitude to be able to uh, come back from that, they wouldn't be in the position that they're in. Um, so, is it a factor to consider? Yes, but the media, let's remember, is a marketing machine, and uh, they are about creating controversy. They are about creating doubt. They are about uh, quite often generating eyes on screens and betting dollars on in online betting. Um, for us. It's real simple. We just want the belt back,
3: Mike. He, he spoke to as he spoke to Ravinda Hunia on UFC on Sky, and I know, I know he loves talking to Raven has has great respect for her, and and she asked the question about what's this fight for you, and what are we going to see? And he said, "Fighting spirit," and I'd never, I I know I know what he says about that, but I'd never heard him say it out loud before. saying, you know, because he knows he has to prove himself again.
7: Well, it, it's not really about. Improving yourself. It's about uh, um, being able to, to go into the trenches to understand that this is a sport where you get hurt. And you know taking pain is a customary part of the sport. And in order to succeed, you must have that fighting spirit. You must fight through those dark moments and come out and turn them around and look for an opportunity for victory. Uh, that is very much about what combat sport is about and it's why people are so drawn to it because it takes you to the darkest possible places and there's only you, there's no one else, not your coach, not your corner, no one else who can pull yourself up and uh, create victory out of that. And, you know, that's what he's talking about. When you're talking about fighting spirit, it's the ability to, to go into a dark place, to come out and to, uh, have a greater fighting spirit than your opponent,
3: Mike. The last time they fought, and, and you can you will correct me. He he wrestled a lot, is he? And I was well, I wasn't expecting that. Was that a set plan to try and unhinge Pereira and say, oh, "Well, actually, we can play your game too"? And do you think it backfired on him?
7: Um It's MMA. It, it, it's about. Um, all facets of the game, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's wrestling, whether it's Thai boxing, whether it's uh, K1-style kickboxing from the outside. We have an athlete who has uh, abilities across a spectrum of ranges, and you you have to employ that. You have to take that where the fight goes. Um, When you say wrestled a lot... um, he had him down in round three and he, and he kept him down um he kept on matt returning him and he, and he landed a lot of ground and pound um so I wouldn't say you wrestled a lot I'd say he took an took an opportunity he he secured a takedown from a lateral drop from memory and um you know he he showed he was very strong in that area um Did it cost him? No, Um, it won in the round. What what cost him really simply was probably not taking care of his leg in the first round where Alex landed three or four hard calf kicks and then uh, whilst well ahead in the fight, he uh, threw a low kick which uh, was was checked by Alex. Um, He fell back off balance and that created enough momentum for Alex to come forward on uh you know get on the front foot get him with his back towards the cage which is where alex is most dangerous this sport is about moments and that was a moment that just turned the tide subtly enough against with two guys who are so evenly matched um that enabled alex to get into his flow and Izzy, uh partially because his leg was compromised due to the work that alex had done um and you know alex was able to take advantage of that but that that's the nature of the game we play um it's milliseconds and millimeters and um you know it's it's a cruel mistress um but you know it's it's also uh you know a a, a sport where uh, the exuberance of winning is just tremendous it's a, it's an unbeatable feeling so um there, there's no uh, second place here. I guess that's the the biggest thing. You're, you're either celebrating or you're commiserating. There there is no other way to look at our sport.
4: Hey, Mike, as 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 a strike coach uh, for Israel, um, do you train scenarios? Like, do you train what you think Pereira is going to come at him with, or is it the ability to what you just spoke about? It's milliseconds. It's about adapting to change, and you don't really know what's going to come at you. Or can you actually? Create the perfect scenario and the perfect game plan going into a fight.
7: I um, look at dynamic sports. You can never create a perfect game game plan. You can have a good, comprehensive game plan where you look at what your opponent has done um, over, you know, and not just his his last fights, but his his entire career. You look at habits. You look at patterns. You look at strengths. And you look at weaknesses, and then you look at what your athlete can do and and how that athlete can nullify those strengths and, and and maximize their own maximize their own and um yeah, you do that to the best of your ability um and then after that it's what you see in the corner um, and it's your athlete's ability to execute, so like any good coach, you know again using that cricket analogy um if you 've got a guy who um you know, who, who takes a body line attack, you, you're going to have to work on, you know, swaying, getting out of the way or flicking it off your hip or, or hooking and pulling. Um, so you present them with a lot of those uh, opportunities um, and a lot of those looks um, and you, you hope that you've done enough work so that, uh, you know, when those areas arrive, you can take advantage.
3: Mate, I'm intrigued to know, and I know how passionate you are about fight sports, but I'm intrigued to know, being on the inside, but sitting on the outside and watching the circus that surrounds Israel on a fight weekend, do we have any understanding? And can you give us any insight into how the craziness goes on?
7: Um, No, we don't have an understanding. Uh, Israel's a global superstar. Um, And... The, the madness that surrounds him uh, is incredible. Uh, and, in many ways, uh, the job of the team is to shield him from that. And, um, you know, thus not uh, having too much media engagement, thus not getting too caught up and you know, four, five, six hundred fans lined up you know, or who'll follow you home from the hotel to see where you're staying, and they'll be there, and they'll sleep out all night and try and get your autograph it's it's that kind of um <laughs> madness, if you like, uh, that makes us sort of glad that we live in New Zealand, although even in New Zealand it can get difficult at times these days, but yeah, it's crazy um and we don't have an idea um and the only idea we get is uh when you know, Israel or his security says no after signing about 500 uh, items of clothing. He says, no, I've got to go to training now. And then someone cries and you know gets disappointed about it. But um, that's the only sort of indication we have. It's a, it's a tremendous invasion of one's privacy. Um, fortunately, Israel's very good at doing that, um, but it is training. And ultimately, we're here to fight. So you know that's the job of the coaches and security personnel to protect them from that.
4: Mike, I, I'm fascinated to learn how your line of work um, actually, uh, you, know, op, op, you know, how do you get the approaches? Do people phone you or do you go out and look at specific fighters and go, hey, you know, I've seen a few holes in your game and I think I can help you. How, how does it work? Because I know that you went to China as a strike coach. I read up on that. must have learned a lot in, in that uh, um, part of the world.
7: Yeah, look, it's it, it's 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 different. Obviously, you you develop a, a reputation over time. Um, we're very fortunate uh, to have at City Kickboxing, um, you know, six world class coaches, and I'm not joking. We have six world class coaches in our gym, um, and the majority of us have been together for twenty years, um, and uh, some of us actually have been together for thirty years in terms of coming up through the ranks, competing together and then maybe coaching together. So uh, that's uh, an unusual circumstance um, that we're fortunate to have in New Zealand because of the size that we are. Uh, because uh, the same family culture that you have at City Kickboxing was fostered in our original gyms uh, back in Balmoral Liga. Um And, you know, we've been able to bring in people who, who suit that culture. On a wider context, um, yeah, you can get picked up by, you know, the UFC, for example, the Performance Institute asked me to, to go up there and assist. Um You know, so you do get those opportunities. Um, It's a combination of creating the opportunity, but most often it generally comes from if you're involved with developing one or two fighters, through from scratch, that go on to become world class, uh, then, uh, you know, uh, Muhammad starts to come to the mountain after that. But until then, um, you can have some great coaches who are just uh, bustling away behind the scenes and they just haven't quite had the horses come across there come across their paddock so that they can win a few races, and that's kind of one way of looking at it.
3: Hey Mike, let's be honest, uh, and I know which corner you're in, but in all honesty, from what you've discussed with us this morning, it's it's fascinating because I I can't pick this one. I'm going to be blunt with you. Does it go the full five? Does Izzy regain the belt?
7: I don't give a fuck if it's over, and one round or if it goes to the full five. We're feeling confident that, that Izzy can regain the belt. Yes, it's a tough fight. Um, you know, And we're going to war. That's probably the best answer I can give you is we're going to war. We're expecting to win. We're a world-class unit operating in perhaps one of the, the greatest uh, middleweight title fights in history. And we're expecting to win. That's
3: our approach, uh, mate. I appreciate. You know, you're, you've always been so generous to us, giving your time. And I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop you uh, going and having that uh, last dinner before you know it gets busy. And thank you for dropping your first F bomb on radio that I can that I can remember. Uh, and uh, mate, uh, from all of us here, wish Izzy well. I know he doesn't need it because I know he's a supremely confident athlete. But at least we know he's got good people around him. Go well, my friend. Thanks,
7: Mike. Thanks, guys, and uh, we appreciate everyone's support as well. Thank you.
3: There you go, Mike Ango, striking coach and f bomb dropper. Uh, did we catch the f bomb at all? Did we catch? We caught the f bomb. Okay, that was the bleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Got it. So okay, Grant. So we talked about this before. What did you? What did you learn out of that listening? Listening to Mike and, and his
4: intimate insight and in being part of the Izzy camp. Yeah, I mean, I know as as we spoke about before this show, I know Bugger all about fighting, so I've I find it quite interesting. You know, um, I think he sounds confident, but, you know, it's amazing that you go into the sport with that, um, you know, anything can happen kind of, um, you know, vibe, which I think he was like, yes, we're confident. We're ready. We've done everything possible that we can do prior to this fight. And we're confident, but, you know, we don't know what to expect on the day. And I think that that's the thing is like you wake up on a different side of the bed and, Pereira might make a mistake I think it's about making mistakes and like you say it's or like he said it's split second decisions and you know options that you take and that's why I was fascinated do they go and go right we're going to get him to ground we're going to you know you know, kick him in the head a number of times like you know it doesn't sound like you can have a game plan all you can do is adjust to what ha- what's in front of you on the day and um, I guess you have all the tools at your disposal so um, as much as it being um, you know physical it is mental like any other sport but um, I think that the preparation that goes into it sounds like really intense and you have to be focused with your preparation. It's constant man it's
3: constant these guys I mean look you, you step into a ring regardless uh, you get thumbs up from anyone in Australia but when you've got someone wanting to kick you in the head, it's different when you mm. were boxing; you want someone to punch you in there. But when they've when, when they got ten ounce gloves that could, you know probably aren't as are probably harder than a ten ounce boxing glove, and they want to hit you, and then they want to kick you, and then they'll kick you in the leg and things like that. Uh, these these it's almost Spartan esque, you know. It's like almost medieval, and that's why it is huge. Although I, I should have asked him, did you see the other day that uh, the company Endeavor that owns UFC have now uh, bought WWE, so there's going to be crossover, man. It's going to be that sort of – they're not talking about uh, putting wrestlers into the cage, although we've seen that with Brock Lesnar before, cheater. But <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be for sort of pretty interesting. Mind you, he did give us another T-shirt line. And I would love everybody to get on the uh, t- text line and give up your new T-shirt line on double eight double three because Grant's gone, uh, watch out for the pine trees. So that's his big (laughs) T-shirt line for the morning. Watch out for the pine trees. But Mike has has leveled up. It's gone, it's milliseconds or millimeters. I instantly went, T-shirt, straight away. So if you have a T-shirt line that could go on a T-shirt, text us on the Timber Bedpost text line on double eight double three. That's double eight double three. And you're listening to the Saturday Session Motors Club brought to you by TUI Law Enforce with Stephen McIver and Grant Elliott. We are going to talk about The South African invasion of New Zealand cricket next, And it is, trust (laughs) me Invasion It is an invasion that you didn't know was coming It is a Trojan horse Stick with us With Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott
5: Every day's a
2: Saturday 11.26
3: on a Saturday morning. It's the 8th day of April for 2023. It's Easter weekend wherever you are around this beautiful country of ours, New Zealand. Uh, I hope you're having fun, being safe, and things are okay and you're spending time with family. If you're listening on the SEN app, g'day, how are you? Good to to know that you're uh, tuning in. We've just been speaking to Mike Angove, who is the fight coach, the strike coach for Israel Adesanya. Dropped a great little F-bomb, which we don't, shouldn't promote, but if you want to hear it again, it's if you want to hear it, actually hear it. It's on the, the podcast. But uh, Kieran, our producer, the, the great ranger and that's a bearded whoa, ring. Well, mate, come on, Steve, uh, Steve, uh,
5: whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, Careful, my friend.
3: Uh, I feel terrible. Okay, uh, you like something that Mike said right at the beginning of the interview about his chances of Izzy's chances of of retain regaining the belt.
0: Oh, look, it sort of gave me that confidence right off the bat when Mike came in and made the point that Izzy didn't have to cut weight in order for this fight, or didn't have to put in much to bulk. Because for me, as a fighter, you know that you see these guys in the UFC consistently having to make weight. By uh, paperweight, you know it's 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 so uh, particular where you have to be, and, and not being able to to cut is going to obviously have a big cost on your career, yeah. right? Because that's how you make the fight. Is he not having to move up or go down takes so much stress off his build up to the fight because it's so easy. A week before your fight, you're sitting over, you know, you're starting to get scared, you're starting to panic. Maybe you'll you'll mess up your eating routine. You'll try and do a little bit extra. Mm. Come fight day, that's exhausted you, right? Because the turnaround between weigh in and fight is such a short amount of time. Is he not having that pressure of will I actually make weight and being able to make it at walk around is actually such a big advantage for him because it takes away that massive distraction of am I actually going to be able to fight this guy? Because that's the bottom line. And
3: there've been there've been huge issues with fight weight, uh, fighters cutting in the in the, in the past. So, by by the way, did you say? Did you know you said as a fighter? Did I As a fighter I know how to cut. Yes, my name's Karen Bigg. and my way. Would you be I think you would be light. Heavy okay. The Trojan horse <laughs> which is the invasion of South Africans into New Zealand cricket. There's a great little article on Stuff today. Grants is closing on, so I was going oh god, do we have to talk about this? Yes, we do. It was uh, mm-hmm. in referencing Chad Bowes becoming the latest in a long line of South Africans to join us on the back of the oh the success of a uh, national sporting hero quote unquote. Uh, Grant Elliot and, and the likes of Devin Conway, Wagner, and the likes, and there's this uh, subfolder called Ray Tool as well. So I have a question for you because it does intrigue me. Why, why do we see the likes of yourself and so many South African cricketers coming out here and wanting to play potentially for the Black Caps and not stay at home and try and play for the Proteas?
4: Yeah, um, good question. I mean, I, I've just thrown on a list of South African cricketers that I know or South African born um, players that have settled in New Zealand and it would go Watling, Conway, Chad Bowes, Dean Foxcroft I think Michael Rippon he plays for the Netherlands but I think he's Cape Town uh, myself, Ray, Ray Tull, uh, Kruger van Veik and uh, Neil Wagner so I've got nine we haven't quite got a team yet um, but I'm sure that there's some, some youngsters coming through. I know it's p- particularly in Browns Bay in Auckland. I'm sure there'll be some some cricketers, or, uh, South African cricketers. But I think there's a number of reasons: lifestyle, um, you know, there's uh, positive discrimination, um, you know, in in South Africa, um, and like for me, I actually I just had a contract dispute to be honest. I had a contract dispute. I came over here when I was 17 on a cricket tour, played against Daniel Vittori, who went on and played in uh, his first test match a month after that. I remember facing him for uh, St. Paul's, and I was going, "Jesus, this guy's consistent. Um, and I, I loved New Zealand. I went to the uh, Kings College Cricket Tournament, and um, I thought, oh, well, New Zealand, when I had a contract dispute, I couldn't play professionally in South Africa. I could stay as a coach. But when the coach phoned me and said, we'll give you a coaching contract, I told him to do exactly what Mike said. Um, I dropped an F-bomb at him and uh, <laughs> thought, oh, well, I'll look, I'll look somewhere else. So I ended up uh, you know, speaking to a couple of Kiwis who were playing in the Dutch league with me and they said, come and play at my club. I can organize your gig. So I went to Christchurch and played for Marist. And then I realized, I thought, if I score three Club Hundreds, I'll play for Canterbury A. If I score... Two to three hundreds for canterbury a i'll play for canterbury and if i score 500s i'll play for new zealand so i'm essentially 10 hundreds away from playing for new zealand
3: wow that that's just blown me out of the water so you actually sort of thought you deliberately put it put the target and said this is what i'm going to do
4: what about well, I, I wanted it? to play international cricket definitely i mean i played i was professional from 16. So I played seven years professional cricket in South Africa, came to New Zealand, and I think it was change of mindset. Like, well, then I wasn't going to play for um, South Africa, the Proteas or the Springboks or whatever they were going through and calling themselves. Um, you know, I had to get that out of my head and go, well, I want to play for New Zealand and I want to become a New Zealander. No. So I, I put my, my, um, my North Star was playing international cricket for New Zealand. And,
3: and and was it everything that you wished it to be?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think playing in a World Cup. So when I was 12 years of age, we got to write an autobiography at school. So in the third person. And um, one of the sections was career. So I wrote, you know, Grant Elliot played. International cricket for South Africa. I said played also county cricket and but did particularly well in white ball cricket because when I was twelve years old, that was when South Africa were readmitted into international cricket and I watched my first ever World Cup, the '92 World Cup, where New Zealand lost at Eden Park, um, you know, and um, Martin Kroger got a hundred, and all that was I wanted to play in a World Cup. I wanted to play international cricket. So. Having played in a World Cup, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, take anything away. A lot of the family stuff that I missed, I think, you know, that that was tough. You know, celebrations and family time. Um, but in terms of travel and what you do in front of, you know, forty to 100,000 people, it's the best job in the world. Like, how can you not want to do that? I think the tough thing is coming out of that and going, well, what can I do now? And Obviously, the Saturday session fills that gap. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me
3: uh, that that six at Eden Park is that the best moment, or are there are there are there moments in your career that people wouldn't recognise, but only you would recognise as being more satisfying. Apart from the backdrop, apart from
4: the backdrop, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will and and Rod Stewart. We won't talk about yeah. that satisfying moment. But you know, the I, I reflect on my career and I thought, why did I play cricket for so long? You know. Like I was a 20 26 year old contracted to Wellington Cricket um, on a ten thousand uh, dollar contract, and I was like, "What? <laughs> you know, why am I doing this?" I look back at it, and um, you know, the the reason why I did it was because I enjoyed the um, the team side of it. And after the game, like you, whatever happened on the field happened on the field, and it was great. But it was more, you know, you had this family of people that were traveling with you trying to achieve the same goals and the relationships and friendships that you had over time and that's what I loved and I think it's very difficult to replicate that in a lot of jobs Um, so mine was people driven and um, yeah I had found my tribe of people Um, so you know that's what I'm looking for now I guess outside of cricket is what does my tribe look like and how can I almost replicate what I found in cricket? outside of the the game.
3: One that knows a good Shiraz. Hey, one one final thought on this one, (laughs) because we're going to take a break and and talk another fight sport that I know you're going to dive deep into as well, which is fight for life. But was it easier in your mind to uh, be able to represent New Zealand than your home country?
4: Well, when you do the numbers game, you would have to say it is. I mean, I think... I think we had sixty thousand cricketers uh, nationwide. That's including all juniors in that. But professionally, there's a hundred hundred players. Um, you know, it's it's got to be easier replicating uh, representing uh, New Zealand. But it's also the lifestyle that it, it brings. You know, because when you look at South Africa, you go, well, you have to. You know, you're competing against a certain number of you know players of colour. They'll call them. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's African, coloured, Indian. The government wants the South African cricket team to represent the demographics of the country, which means that essentially there would be one white person in the team. And when that happens, they'd be happy. And the the country has to go through a lot of change for that to happen after apartheid. Mm. Um, Because during apartheid, there was no opportunity for for people of colour. There was no health systems. There was no education. So for the country to repair itself after that and find a lot of, you know, they will called black players coming through as batters or bowlers, the McKay and Teenies, Um, it's it's still, I mean, you know, we're we're more than, we're close on 30 years um, down the line here and we still haven't seen um, that sort of demographic come through. So it'll take time and that means that less opportunity for uh, players who are not players of colour or considered players of colour which means that they, then there's more opportunity in a place like New Zealand and England and Australia.
3: Fair play, mate. 11.36, this is the Saturday Session Mars Club brought to you by TUI Lawn Force. Visit the new Lawn Force website hub for expert lawn advice. Sioni Farmer is on the card for the fight for life. He's next on the Saturday Session.
1: You're listening to the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott.
2: Every 11.41,
3: and this is the Saturday Session. Moa's Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force, McIver and Elliot in the house. As it were, if you're wondering what's going on with the Masters, suspended play because two trees fell over on the 17th. I mean, they just fell over. Uh, But if you want to know what Ryan Fox has done, he's going to make the cut. He's uh, sitting at, uh, uh, let me just check, was that three under? He's T18 anyway, tied 18, yeah, three under his total. Uh, Brooks Koepka uh, sitting at 12 under, so uh, a lot to be talked about. As is right now, the Fight for Life, which does all its good work for the I Am Hope charity uh, founded by Mike King. April 27, Event Finder Stadium. The, f- the feature bout, the main event on the card, is actually a world title fight. For the first time, uh, Miyamoto and Tanya Walters out of Canada will fight for the IBO Super Bantamweight title fight. Now, I spoke to Miyamoto earlier this week, Grant, and, and she's a tiny thing, but I said, uh, what's this about? I said, is this about, you know, uh, you know, potentially making money? She's a mother of five, right? Single mum of five. Built like a brick, you know what? If she's tiny, and she punches like... God knows. I said, "What's this about?" And she said to me quite simply, "It's about belts. I want all the belts." Money was the last thing on her mind. And I was fascinated by that. And I said, "How do you do this?" Your know, mama five she said I got a really good villager around me. Fana, you know, family, the whole nine yards. And I thought, "Yeah, you know, th- this is one very special young lady." And man, I just watched her. She was uh, working out with uh, David Tour, the tour man. I was watching her bash those pads because I bash pads every day over most days and Oh, don't roll your eyes, Karen. Come on. Some of us have been in the (laughs) ring. And honestly, she is one good lady. One good guy is stepping into the ring. He played 88 games for the Warriors, the one New Zealand Warriors. He'll face DJ Forbes. He's going to be a classic rugby versus rugby league on the night. Um, Featuring, of course, Roy Asatasi against Sam Tuitupu And Liam Messon against Justin Hodges, which is the undercard to the moment. That'd be an absolute ripper. Sione Famuinaj. Joins us from Rotorua. Hello, bro. How are you, mate? Hey, Siani.
8: Hey, bro. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks Thanks for having me.
3: Mate, why are you doing this? Why are you putting your body on the line?
8: <laughs> well, that's a good question, uh, Steve. I think uh, there's a couple of reasons. One is obviously to support uh, the charity, I am hope. Um, you know, I'm good friends with Mike, so um, that was one main reason. Then another one was a challenge, you know, of... I've always been fascinated with the fight for life and looking at the, you know, the matchups over the years. And um, when Monty sort of reached out to me, I, I didn't hesitate. So, um, you know, it was a new opportunity for me to try something um, I've never done before. And uh, yeah, see, we'll see how it goes. Come uh, April twenty seventh.
3: How is training going,
8: mate? training's going good. Um, yeah, it's actually going really good. Uh, The first couple of weeks was a bit tough. Body wasn't used to uh, sort of boxing training, throwing punches, but now it's sort of starting to adapt. And, uh, yeah, I didn't know uh, how many small muscles you use that you hardly ever use in league that you use in boxing. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Got a good camp, good team going on down here. So, uh,
4: yeah, it's going to be good. Hey, Sioni, do you have a game plan going into this fight?
8: Hey... (laughs) Uh, Grant, uh, so um, do I have a game plan going into this fight uh, Is to hit and not get hit? I think that's the that's yeah. the simplest game plan <laughs> I've got. But uh, we, yeah. I, I was, it was funny. I was like in bed last night watching, um, I can't remember what year it was, Fight for Life. It was one of Kenny Nagas, Brendan Tutor, and the, the whole thing is on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, everyone was just getting, throwing punches and getting hit, so uh, I don't know how well that game plan's going to go for me.
3: <laughs> Actually, I got one you could go to. You go to 2016, maybe. Uh, you know, Mackay versus Kilgallen, second round, Big Irish right drops him. Didn't get the 10-8 count. Very <laughs> disappointed. Uh, but, yeah, but you do learn a lot about yourself, don't you? I mean, as a professional athlete, you would have gone to some dark places in training and things, and we could talk about the other dark places in a moment. But... Have you been in a Have you been in a dark place, going, and someone's punching the gob, and going, "Oh man, do I really have to do this?" Or what? And and try and figure yourself out, how to push through.
8: Oh, uh, that's it's funny you bring that up. Obviously, Steve, you've done it a couple of times, so you know where I'm coming from. And oh, yeah, three times. <laughs> sorry, um, <laughs> my apologies. Um, the first couple of weeks. When I was sparring, um, and I was gassing, hey, I was really gassing, but my trainer told my sparring partners, don't let up, don't let up on him, he's got to learn, and uh, I remember the first couple, I, I literally just was like, mate, just smash me, I'm done, like, you know, like, I've got nothing left, just hit me, like, but you've you've really got to start to dig deep, start to implement what you know your coaches and trainers have been doing um you've got to do a lot of fitness um outside of you know the boxing work and and as each day each week goes by i'm finding i'm getting more confident lasting a lot longer um yeah so i was in a dark place the first couple of weeks where i was second guessing myself like man this is a lot harder than i thought but now i'm into week seven week eight yeah i'm slowly starting to come right
4: Hey Sione, it looks like a good matchup. I'm just going to Wikipedia because it's so accurate. Um, we've obviously got DJ Forbes, who's at one meter eighty nine, and then weighing in at hundred and three. But this is obviously fighting weight um, when they weighed you with Wikipedia. You were one meter ninety and weighing a hundred and one. Is that accurate for both of you? Do you think at the moment, or do you? You think that you might be yeah. carrying a little bit more or less
8: no i'm definitely carrying a bit more i think dj might be around that weight maybe a little bit one or two kilos more um the 189 on i'll have to double check that because if you look at our way you know it was more than one centimeter taller than him so um you know i'm i'm 190 and i'm pretty sure djs were around about the 186 87
4: Okay, so you got a better um, yeah, reach. But, That's, that looks good for the odds for you then.
8: Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I, I was taller than him, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I may have been wearing sick shoes, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether he's actually 189. Uh, my weight, I'm at around
3: 108. So, oi, uh, oi, big boy. Get that off. Nice. you got to get, get a couple of weeks get rip that off. Start running again. Are you running?
8: <laughs> <laughs> I am running, but, hey, are you, are you you know what, uh, Steve, this time last year or at the beginning of last year, I was 134 kilos.
3: Yeah, I could I could say something there but I won't out of respect. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I will tell, tell you what, if so you get well so what do you what's the target? What's the target weight?
8: Oh, look, I'll probably get in the ring around 107. Um Yeah, I'll be happy with with 107, possibly 106, but that's the tire weight. I don't really need to drop much. Um, I think DJ will probably be around the 105, 106 as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a good matchup, I believe, but he's still in good shape. Like, DJ's been, yeah, keeping in good shape. He's doing CrossFit.
3: Um, Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Don't don't give him any, any inch of thought about that. You put that big jab in his face, he won't come near you.
4: (laughs) Uh, Siani, I don't know if you've been following the the Israel Adesanya fight. Um, Are you going to wear a dog collar or anything like that just prior to the fight?
8: (laughs) Me and my... um, my wife was watching his interview a couple of days ago yesterday or something, and she was like, what is that around his neck? And I'm like, man, I have no idea, but he's Israel Adesanya. He can do whatever he wants. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, 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 Unleash the dog, baby. That's all we're going to say to you. Uh, unleash the dog. Sione, uh, we, we're pushed for time, man. It is always a pleasure talking to you. I will see you on fight night. Do rugby league proud, okay. buddy, and just drop DJ Forbes. Just that big ride. Just drop him. Just drop him.
8: <laughs> hey, look, thanks for having me, but I'll, I'll be honest, I'm going to give everything I've got, mate.
3: Good man. Love you, man. Take care. Great stuff, Sioni. Thank uh, you cheers. so much. Sione from Awina. It's 11.50 here on the Saturday sesh. Uh Next year, Grant Elliott in the ring. Bantamweight. <laughs> Drop him down to about 55 or something. Back in a minute.
1: The Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Every-
3: Eleven fifty four, 54, heading to lunchtime on the 8th of April. This is the Saturday Session Miles Club, brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. We've just had Sione Famawina on, fighting in the fight for life. All good proceeds going to IMI. So, Elliot, uh, you're in the ring. What cricketer would you like to face?
4: Um, so I'm in my own fight for life. I get to choose No, no, anyway.
3: no, no, no. You are in the fight for life, because I think you should do this. this. How old are you now? <laughs> now, come on, how old are you? Come on, 40, split it, split 44. It. Okay, so I did my last one at 48, right? So so you're no excuses, pal. So if you were got to hop on the ring and do the training, it's normally a 13-week block, who would you have a crack at? Who would you say call out? Who would you call out? Who'd you call out? Who'd you I, don't, I don't
4: really – well, there's not, no one I really dislike you're in, scared. in the cricketing you're scared, circles. You? You're scared, aren't you? You're scared. Um, I'd uh, – you know, probably be coaches or selectors. What about McMillan? Kate McMillan.
3: He, he, could nah, lose, he, Macca, could, he could lose
4: a bit. Macca was called out by Jesse Ryder once. Jesse Ryder was calling everyone out. He called out <laughs> Mark Greatbatch. He called out Macca, but no one wanted to fight him. I think he ended up uh, going with Mark Watson, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no
3: I, remember, I remember that fight. I, 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 yeah, we won't talk about that fight with Mark. It's, I it, think it would, it was you know
4: one. what? It, it would have to be a trans Tasman fight. Oh,
3: okay. So Warner? Trans Tasman's going
4: Australian. Yeah, well, he's the obvious choice, isn't he? Oh. Yeah.
3: There I'd we- pay great money okay, for so that. Okay, so there you go. So okay, I'm not a good- big enough name though. A are are big you serious? Pass. Hang on, quick. Hang on, hang on. National hero I saw a minute ago. Warner hated. <laughs> National Hero hated. Trans Asman. <laughs> Perfect. There you go, folks. Next year, <laughs> Warner Elliott, fight for life. Stick around. We talk Cells NBL in just a moment here on the Saturday session. Get on those runners, mate. You gotta start running, pal. Next year, Warner Elliott. It's got such a great ring to it. Warner <laughs> Elliott. Three rounds. Two minutes each. Yeah, baby. Bring it.
1: This is the Saturday session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott.
3: Lunchtime, wherever you are around New Zealand or Australia, this is SENZ with the Saturday session. Mars Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. Tui Lawn Force contains a range of lawn soil, fertilisers, and grass seeds for a variety of lawn needs. It's the opening weekend of the Cells NBL, one of my favourite competitions of all time. There is such a storied history of it. At the so far this weekend, Franklin Bulls seventy nine, Hawks Bay Hawks. 84. Southland Sharks, 96. Manawatu Jets, 87. Playing tonight, Nelson Giants against last year's beaten grand finals, the Auckland Tuatara, and also the Wellington Saints against the Hawks Bay Hawks. The Hawks Bay Hawks go round a doubleheader weekend for them. Their coach of the Wellington Saints is Troy McLean. He joins uh, Grant and myself right now. Hey, Troy, how are you, buddy?
9: I'm good, thank you. How are you doing, Father?
3: Yeah, man, good. We—I just looked at your record. You were five and one against the Hawks last year. That must give you some some cause for smiling going into the first game of the season.
9: Yeah, I mean we've we've got a good little rivalry going with this this group. Um, you know, they've they've added some different pieces this year, but they've kept their core group together. They're always problematic. Um, you know, we—they called us on the sort of. Uh, middle part of our run last year so uh we were we had lots of momentum but new season new rounds so and they're coming off a win as well so they'll have a little bit of a uh, energy and momentum going their way so um, yeah we've we've got a, a big pass tonight but we ready
4: hey uh, troy uh, thanks for coming on the show and um yeah i know you're doing a lot of great things around wellington not just for the saints i know my kids have been to a few of the um sessions that you run and absolutely love it so growing the sports as well it seems to be uh something that uh, a lot of the basketballers do in in this region which is fantastic but um i'll be going tonight uh family loves it i reckon it's the hottest show in town in terms of sports it's so good um yeah but (laughs) last year um I guess you'd say that you had a slow start and then a lot of the players came in towards the latter, latter part of the, the season. Is it more of the same uh, this season? And is it quite tough to get the players here earlier to create that cohesion and synergy?
9: Um, look, we, We've been fortunate a little bit more this year with uh, the AMBL finishing a little earlier. So a lot of our AMBL Kiwi players were available uh, earlier than they were last year. Um, last year was a little bit of an anomaly in that sense, so a lot of players and teams were coming in a little bit late. Um, this is always difficult to prepare for, um, but uh, this year we've been fortunate with the with the late finish, uh, sorry, early finish with the AMBL, and we've had our guys in for the last uh, two to three weeks with the majority of the team coming in um, for a full week of practice, so um, it's been really, really good. Um, the young guys have, have, have kept up the pace and kept up the uh, learning, and, and uh, they've now turned into uh, coaches and helping the new guys acclimatize to the culture and the, and the uh, tactics. Um, it's, I've been really happy with our preseason, so I'm not sure how other teams... Uh, are, are going. I hope they're not going too well. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's been a good start.
3: Mate, is your your imports, Marlon Taylor, James Sutherland, correct? Is that a cent- have you got a centre and a guard there?
9: Uh, yes. Uh, Marlon, 2-3, uh, sort of a shooting guard, can play the power forward um, position, or small forward position. But um, Anne can handle the ball a little bit too, which is a, a bit of a surprise. He's He's a, a, a very versatile player. Um, James is uh, a power forward um, uh, that can shoot, so uh, he he gives us another element of um, being able to stretch the floor. So yeah, we are excited to get them loose on a on a, uh, a different uh, a different team. They've been doing great uh, at practice, but uh, they're both excited to get out and 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 perform for the
4: the home crowd tonight And you've also got some familiar faces you've got uh, Vodanovic you've got Smith Milner, Samuel Tuffin, mm-hmm. how important is it to have like a nucleus of familiar faces and I guess those are the players that I guess create that, that consistency and culture
9: Yeah, yeah so very important, we've had um, the fortunate um, experience over the last uh, two to three years of having the likes of Tommy, KT, and Tohi, Um and Tane being a part of our family. So um, great to have them back this year. Um, you know, their their leadership and their ownership of our, our philosophy as a club um, has been great and continues to be great, particularly with the new players and the youth players that are sort of coming through. So yeah, very important to have a, a new place of guys that, um, understand what we're about and um, can then coach and teach that as well on the
5: floor.
3: You know, Troy, I always smile when I, when I mention the name Wellington Saints. I was in Wellington at the time when, when they were the hottest ticket town. And I'll tell you, it was the, the late 80s and, and the late Kenny McFadden, who won four yes. titles with the Wellington Saints, was a run. And I just thought he was probably one of the best things that ever happened to, to basketball in Wellington. But you've won 12 championships 12 championships, yes. last one, 2021. How much for you as a coach do you bring history into play when it matters?
9: Um, look, I mean, the, the the history of our club is is storied and a lot of great legends have come through, uh, including Kenny Mack being the, the biggest one. Um, you know, we had a, a good discussion at our, our uh, session this morning around Kenny and the leadership that he brought to this club and and uh the way that he led and um you know we we have asked uh Tohi, uh to be our captain this year and he was very honored to, to 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 have that position but um look there's a lot of history uh of excellence with this club we uh hang our hat on the fact that we do things a lot differently um and we want to make sure that we continue that that tradition of, of winning and that tradition of excellence. So, um, it is our number one value based on the history that we have um, as a as a franchise and as a club. So, um, you know that that raises the expectations very high, and and we as a coaching staff and an organization and the players uh, embrace that expectation and that standard. So, we're looking to push that bar higher this year.
4: Hey Troy, um, you mentioned Kenny and one of the things I've noticed with basketball is it seems that everyone involved feels um, this need of giving back to the game, which is really refreshing. Um, is is there something that an unspoken sort of rule about playing basketball in this region where, where that's kind of just a given that you, you should be giving back?
9: Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one um, in terms of the, the, the youth space and, uh, I, I think there's a, a multitude of 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 reasons why i think a lot of um uh basketballers have have that sort of have had experiences through their career i know i have we are, we are you know former players ex players ex coaches have always offered to 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 help and and to to grow the knowledge of the game and um you know we're very much a volunteer orientated sport being sort of under the big three of netball, cricket and and, uh, rugby. But um, with the amount of kids and youth players that are participating in the sport, I believe we're number one. I'm not sure if that's still the case, but in terms of secondary sport participation, um, you know, there is a void there for uh, a lot of players to uh, give back and contribute their, their knowledge to a wider community. So... Um, but I do think there's a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, Kenny Mack was very much a big advocate of, of giving back and um, he did a lot for that space. Um, we're just sort of seeing the, you know, the gap that he has left um, with, with his passing. But, um, you know, we've, we've got plenty of, of, of good, good coaches and, and, and good ex-players that are willing to put their hand up and, and, and give
3: back to the community. You know, Troy, the one thing I I have fond memories of Kenny, and every time I saw him uh, when I had the opportunity, the one thing I will always remember, and it's probably a good thing to to remind anyone, he always smiled. Mm. He was always smiling, man. Mm -hmm. He was always smiling, and that is such a powerful tool.
9: Agreed. It's such a charismatic uh, character. Um, You know, his smile would always bring out um, the smiles from the kids, and, um, you know, he had his regular sayings, which is, you know, something that we integrated into our our philosophy um uh that we use at trainings and things like that such as uh, such as yeah uh run it back um you know uh there's always um it ain't over uh there was there was a, a, a favorite of mine it ain't over um it costs to be the boss uh, yeah so uh yeah i mean he 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 was a rapper before rap was a thing so <laughs> um, yeah he's he's much loved and much missed.
3: It, it talks to me about the hawks that you face, and every time I look at the hawks, and I see one name Ethan Rusbatch He's been there for, seems yeah. to be been there forever, but man just do not do not let him get outside the line man because he'll just pop one out yeah
9: Yes, yeah, so well Ethan has one of the fastest releases in in the competition in terms of the amount of time that it, the ball spends in his hand, so um, you know we, we've got to do a very good job of, of staying attached to him and making sure that we make it difficult for for him to uh, catch and shoot um, and then rely on our backside defense to be able to um, take care of him if he does put it on the floor and, and is able to uh, to get to the rim, which I thought he did a great job against the Bulls. Um, he's very crafty, So, um, but we've got some really good defenders, really good on ball defenders, off ball defenders. Uh, you know, KT will, will see a lot of time on him. Uh, Kenneth Tuffin will see a lot of time on him this, this evening. and. Um, him and KT are very, very similar styles of play. So, um, yeah, that, that's going to be a, a, a really good uh, matchup and, and a good challenge for KT and, and Ethan.
4: Troy, the, um, uh, the atmosphere uh, when the Saints play is electric. It's awesome. And I think that's also one of the reasons why my kids love it. But how important is it winning the home games when you look at the season ahead? Is that does that uh, get factored in quite heavily?
9: Um, look, yeah, yes, for for the reason that you just said, like uh, you know, we 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 really uh, have a lot of uh, gratitude and appreciation for not only the fans but also the, our organisation putting together a platform and, a, and an environment where the guys feel loved and, and are able to go out there and. and And perform to the best of their ability um you know a win on the road and a win at home is is a win so we 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 play more at home i think for the fans and for um for our organization and family um because they're there they're present and and we're able to sort of get out there and 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 perform for them um but but yeah definitely strategically getting as many home wins as you can is is important but um yeah, we're just all about winning, so we just want to try and win every game, home or away.
3: So you he asked that question about atmosphere and things like that, he wants better tickets... Right, so he's got the. He just wants he wants better tickets because he knows what it's like. Right, such a such a cool yes. atmosphere. So you know he's looking for. the, Hey Troy, mate, yes. you, you know what we you know we were going with this one. Look, let's when, when yes. we talk when we talk about moving forward with the uh, Sales NBL, the one thing that still strikes me as and it was a terrible time for the world, COVID, right? But the Justin Nelson used yes. to run run the comp. Did the smartest thing I could ever think anyone said. ESPN needed content, because the NBA was in all sorts of mess. He said, guess what? I've got this little league here in New Zealand. How about you just take it? And they took it, and yep. they've renewed again and again. From your perspective as a coach when you're scouting, now that yes. people know about the Sales NBL, how much of a benefit is that to you to get maybe better players than you thought you might initially could have got?
10: Yeah.
9: Um, yeah, good question. Uh, we, we, in terms of recruiting... The league is definitely has more resources in terms of um, brand, and the way that the league is run right now, you're seeing a lot better quality imports. I think uh, there's again a a few reasons why, but um, you know, I think uh, levels of innovation have been great, Um, Justin being a a big driver of that. you know uh, but also the clubs being adaptable um you know we've had to adapt a, a few things as a club along with everybody else but um you know the salary cap has opened up a, a lot of space for being able to go and get better players uh, the AMBL franchise for AMBL competition finishing earlier has definitely helped a lot of franchises then you you have the youth that are coming through um, uh, that have uh, that are getting opportunities um, you know from from an ESPN standpoint um, I, I think the competition is growing every year uh, and I expect that to be the case for this this competition and, and you see this with the commercial sponsors signing on for multiple years the ESPN sales have just signed on for a few more years so yeah I mean it's it, it's a great league and it's about to get better and, and I think us as an organization and as an a basketball community in Wellington, I think we're leading the charge in a lot of those spaces. Uh, you know, the entertainment value that you have when you come to our games is is great, and, and people that do go tend to come back, and um, even the ones that don't really understand basketball, but that seems to be changing as well. The understanding at games from fans is, is increasing, and the knowledge base is increasing, so yeah, it's just all around a good, good space for basketball to be in.
4: Hey, um, Troy Xavier Cooks and um, I, I thought Mike Smith was was quite impressive last year, but th- those sorts of players that come in and out, um yes. or or they they become part of the Saints family. Do they stay part of the Saints family? Is it something that you know they keep revisiting, and they, they every time oh. they're this side of the world, um, they touch base with all their teammates. Yes,
9: I mean, uh, yeah, we 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 very much pride ourselves on on. Not only recruiting well, but also, um, you know, allowing players and having players move on from them, um, uh, the, their seasons with 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 the Saints and 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 going on to do, you know, great things. Xavier Cooks being a good example with the Washington Wizards right now, and and also Tory Craig, um, if you want the NBA, Steve. Um, uh, so you know, there's there's multiple stories of guys from um, from our club going on to do great and wonderful things and and uh jordan mills our gm does a great job of staying in contact with with all of those guys both from a friend friendship standpoint and family standpoint and then also making sure that if they're available for for a season that that, that they can come back and um in terms of xavier this was something that we were very um hopeful of but uh knew 99 knew that he was going on to bigger and better things so um, yeah, once a saint, always a saint.
3: One final thought, mm-hmm. buddy. Uh, have you got a championship team or are you not willing to call it yet? I know that's a really dumb question at the start of the season, <laughs> but a coach has, sometimes has a feeling.
9: Yeah, look, I believe that we have a championship-winning team. I think um, we have all the appropriate pieces. Um, we're putting in the work. We've got the experience to be able to do that. I mean, um, I don't know if that's a normal answer to that. To that question.
5: That's fair.
9: Not, uh not politically correct, I guess, in terms of what some coaches, I guess, would say. But for me, no, I've got 100% confidence in the group that uh, Jordan and I and and the rest of the coaching staff and organization has put together and the players themselves are confident going into tonight's game and the rest of the season. So we have a standard, and, and that standard is is um, is going to be met every time or else... You know, there are consequences to that situation. So part of our organisational belief in terms of being winners is uh, holding a high standard, so we intend to do that.
3: Mate, that is not PC. That's what I call confidence that the PC brigade can stick fair up their tube because that's brilliant. We're a championship oh, okay. team, and I like winners. Uh, make the best of luck for the season. Good luck against the Thank Hawks you. tonight. We shall talk again.
9: Thank you, guys. On, by, by the Thanks way, a lot, Troy.
3: Shiraz for the sideline apparently, Shiraz for the sideline. <laughs>
9: okay, I'll put the orders in. Thanks mate. In. <laughs>
3: <That's> <laughs> <true>. <laughs> Troy McLean coach of the Wellington Saints, the opening weekend of the Cells NBL just reminding you, two games played already, Bulls 79, Hawks who they play tonight, 84 and then the Southland Sharks beat the Manawatu Jets, 96-87. Tonight also the Giants against the Tuatara Saints-Hawks Bay. Otago Nuggets, your SENZ Otago Cargo nuggets uh Jets on Monday, along with the Rams and the Taranaki Airs. So that's the opening weekend of the cells NBL. I, I'm with you on this, Grinder, when it comes to atmosphere, right? The one thing that I've discovered really quickly, with the emergence over the last few years, and we're talking over the last few, probably, we could probably say a decade now, with the breakers, Basketball has hit a new high, and when you look at the numbers, mm. that basketball is the fastest growing sport in secondary schools, fastest growing sport. And you take your kids there, and they're going. I want to be part of this because I'm sure, as a parent, you go, "Hmm, don't have to get locked down in a scrum. Anyone, they they encourage anyone yeah. to play. We know in the real world, it's, it's a game for giants. But it's, but anyone can play. And I think that's a huge bonus for mums and dad saying, you know what, forget your league, forget your rugby, you know, go and play basketball because I like it too.
4: Yeah, it's not only anyone can play, but also, you know, you grab a ball and I know my boy, he's out there for two hours. He's like, Dad, drop me off at the, uh, you know, the uh, local community centre and I pick him up two hours later and he's still going. I'm like, can we go now? And he's like, oh, <laughs> oh, hang on, just a couple more. So he's got a ball and a hoop, and there he goes, and he just he goes for it. Yeah. Whereas you can't play cricket by yourself. You can if you want to bowl in the nets, but you're going to be exhausted <laughs> and you blow your back out. Um, and batting, well, you can't. I've seen someone do it, like take a ball and drop it out of their shoulder,
5: and you know, hit it.
4: But yeah, it's very difficult to um, to to play a lot of the sports just by yourself. Um, so and it's indoors in winter, which is great. So. Uh, You don't have to worry about the weather, and it's short and sharp. And everyone sort of feels like they're in the game all the time, so they're busy. So it's a difficult game to beat.
3: Yeah, well, the other thing too, they embrace family. They embrace Mm. the word entertainment that a lot of our big sports are still struggling to understand. The word, you are part of the entertainment world, and there are so many options for people. And as you say, you know, four quarters – Kids yelling and screaming, uh, ground announcers saying, defence, defence, offence, you know, clap the whole nine yards. And it's an experience, it's an event, but it's a weekly event. And the one thing, we we know the ANBL Australia do it so well, but I think it's even getting better at, at, at the level of the sales NBL. And those, I mean, I think Justin Nelson, who doesn't work for the Melbourne, works for Sky actually, but is still commentating on the sales NBL, must be credited with potentially turning this league around and going and understanding what is required. And you're experiencing that
4: firsthand. Yeah. No, I and, you know, the, the music, the lights, the entertainment, and as you say, I think that maybe our mainstream sports, whether they operate with an arrogance, thinking, oh, well, you know, the crowd will come anyway, um, or whether, you know, there's just a difference like, Basketball is proactively, or the NBL is proactively going out there looking for fans, and they're creating fans for life because they look at the family and they look at the kids. What we are
3: seeing too is generations; it's generational too now, right? And kids really don't—they—they're watching stuff on their phones, probably too much, but they're seeing NBA. they're seeing the culture, the pop culture that it's attached to, the music, the fashion, the whole nine yards. They like it. So it's up for parents to say, okay, you can have all that, but actually, why don't you get off your bum and go into a court and do it? The biggest problem we have in this country, not enough courts. There are not enough courts anywhere to feed the beast, so to speak. If you've got thoughts about the growth of basketball, get on the blower 0800 150811. The blower, of course, could be part of the Mowers Club, brought to you by TUI Lawn Force, because you got to blow those those uh, weeds away and those uh, grass clippings <laughs> away. Yeah, did, you like that? Did, you, did you like that one? Did you like that one? Just Yeah, yeah, yeah. well played. Thank you, mate. <laughs> and the Timber Bedpost X line, double double <laughs> three. Getting into the last half hour of the Saturday session with Stephen McIver and Grant Elliott with TUI Lawn Forces, the Saturday session Mowers Club. They've got everything you need to f- create your best lawn, from the products to the sell to the guidance they provide. You know the... L- wonderful thing, Grant, I loved about Troy McLean. And I don't know why he had to say, oh, about you know, people won't lie. I loved the fact that he said, we are winners. We have a winner's mindset, and I believe that we have a championship team. But it was that whole attitude of going, you know what, I don't really – I, I, it made me angry that he had to say, oh, I'm not worried about what the PC people think. Screw that. The fact that we have people that, that – look at success as a key to building a group and a building culture. We need more of it. Yeah, that was my cue.
4: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was running with you going, where is he going with this? No, no, no. I know exactly where you're going going with it. And I, do you know what I love hearing? I love hearing in from New Zealanders, from Kiwis, I love hearing them talk about that because – I think that the natural Kiwi way is to understate it and not talk about it. You know, we had a moment when Carl Jamison was speaking to Ian Bishop, and Ian Bishop said, you know, you're having all the success, whatever. What do you want to achieve? And he said, I want to be the world's best all-rounder. And you're like, whoa. You know, Israel Adesanya, he's not scared of telling everyone what he wants to achieve. And I don't mind it, whereas I think, like, we do knock people down for saying that yeah. they want to be the best. And I, I don't understand it. It's like, why wouldn't we want to support someone? Like The, the best thing you can ever do is, um, is articulate it so that it can manifest, whether that's writing it down. You know, you heard Richie McCall with his goals as a youngster. You heard me talking about it in an autobiography mm-hmm. as a youngster, writing it down. Like actually getting pen to paper, writing down your goals – and also articulating it and actually verbalizing it can help the manifestation of that goal. And I think that we've got to get behind people. I love hearing him say, you know, we're winners. And to create that culture is creating players that are not scared of saying that they're winners as well. Yeah, and you see, then you hit with the flip
3: side because you'll have parents saying, oh, but my Johnny or Sally's not good enough. But it's not about that. It's about giving them the environment to believe you know you we can put the the winners we are winners but it's not about that it's about meeting your potential aspiring to meet your potential and i think we should never come down and say i remember the john walker right john walker the runner gold medalist you know he hates the idea that parents should say, oh, it's okay if Johnny ends and they just participate. He's going, no, it's not. It's good that they participate, but you should be pushing them to achieve, to create greater self-confidence and look at their ability to how far they can go. And we've got to start pushing that further and further. Coaches have a great responsibility. The good ones will understand that. It's how they deliver that message is where you will then finally breakthrough parents who are, you know, going, oh, I'm not so sure about
4: that. Oh, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's like most coaches are volunteer coaches, right? They're parents, um, you know, they're, they're part of, um, you know, the family. And what it is is it's about creating a love of sport. It's not about being the best in the team and scoring the most runs, scoring the most wickets. But what you said, it's about, you know, the the self-esteem of the player like if a young player is involved in grassroots sports and they gain more confidence through the sport or through you encouraging them then you've won it doesn't matter if they score 50s or take wickets because if they've got a passion for the sport and they love it they will work hard at it and then they will work out their own journey of how hard they want to work and how serious they want to take it but if you're a volunteer coach or parent And you rock up at an underage uh, kids game and you try and push these kids to be like professionals and you think they've got to have a drive to be the best, they'll lose interest and then you'll lose – more than 50 percent of the kids in the sport I
3: used to coach my son's uh, football team Eastern suburbs in Auckland every Saturday morning loved it. it was best look I miss it dearly you know he's 21 now and it was the best time best time of my life coaching my kids uh, doing stuff and I remember one day coaching we're talking about six-year-olds right and there was one dad that had a son and so as a, as a coach you would referee on the field right and he was shouting his kid come on whatever his name was and I said I just walked up and said pal your son's doing well he's playing great just back off. And, he, and it took him a while to realize that I'd actually said, just shut the you know what up. And, and mm-hmm. the, for the, the kid would come every weekend feeling this pressure and I just had to there was mm-hmm. it, it was after two weeks he said, enough. And parents have got to understand stop trying to live your, what you wanted to be through your kids. Right. Okay, you may have not done what you've done, but you should be embracing that your children in in a world where there is too much technology, they're out there breathing fresh air, running around the grass, being amongst kids of their own age, learning a culture, learning to interact with other kids rather than putting their heads down and tapping on a phone screen.
4: Yeah, and also having a growth mindset and thinking I can achieve whatever I want to through hard work because if if they do if they leave there and they go they reflect and they go oh well, this didn't work today but you know i'm not there yet i can get there through practice and hard work and you know if you can develop those soft skills cuz you're helping grow a young person to become an amazing adult who's going to contribute to community Bang on, my friend. And speaking of coaches, uh, Frank
3: Lampard is returning to Chelsea as interim manager under the end of the season while the club searches to replace Graham Potter. Uh, wow, he's, he's an out-of-the-blue return to Stamford Bridge. is among the most improbable of the lot. Lampard, who is Chelsea's record scorer, one of its greatest ever players, was hired as interim manager under the end of the season on Thursday to give the club time to
10: find a permanent replacement.
3: So he knows he's only in it for a short time.
10: It's a pretty easy decision for me. This is my club. In terms of my playing career and having managed coached here before, so I have a lot of emotions and feelings towards the club. I'm also a very practical person, you know. And when you become a manager, you understand that you don't manage your own the club that you say is your club forever. And obviously, I've been on a a different path since I left Chelsea. But to come back in a time where um, the club have asked me to come and take the role, of course, that's the most important thing. But also with a belief that I can come and help the calls in this period to the end of the season. So I'm, I'm delighted to get that opportunity and I want to be, you know, I'm thankful for that to the people that decided to give me that opportunity. I'm confident in myself. I have a good understanding of the, the squad. Of course, I've worked with a lot of them before, but also the, the training ground, the stadium, the fans, what Chelsea fans want. And I'll do my utmost in the, this period coming. To give them what they want with my own hard work.
3: They just want to win, Grant. They just want to win. They're sitting eleventh at the table, so they're not—they're not going to f- fall into uh, the first division championship after this one. But man, the amount of money the new American owner Todd Bowler spent is like six hundred odd million uh, to be eleventh. <laughs> Can you imagine what he's thinking right now?
4: <laughs> that's a pan—I reckon that's a panic buy, don't you? Yeah, well, it's like F1, if, if but we were talking about the other <laughs> week. It's like, you know, Ryan Reynolds has bought that football Rixom, team. Wrexham, yeah. And I think Wrexham we were second last week. I haven't checked where they are. Um, we could probably update you where they are. But I was like, I would love to see whether or not... Um, we could buy a football team. Whoa, whoa, it's crowdfunded. Okay. Oh, cro- it's crowdfunded. Crowdfunded and see, see if we could Who would actually. You buy? Um, Who would you buy? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think you've got to buy like a real low league so that there's great stories about these different characters and then go in through like where Ryan Reynolds and that is. Oh, no, actually. No, what are they? Div 5.
3: Mate, you know what you're doing? Then, you know what you're doing? Can I just interrupt here? You are man crushing. Yeah? You are man crushing on Ryan Reynolds. You've mentioned his name 34 times in the last 60 seconds.
4: No, not on Ryan Reynolds. I love the idea of owning a football team with people who have no idea about football. I think that would be
0: so cool.
3: (laughs) Second equal, by the way. Second equal as of last week. Hey, we're going to take a break because uh, Grant has the workhorse of the week coming shortly with Midas Agri-Tires, the choice of leading manufacturers.
1: You're listening to The Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott.
3: Saturday, every a night like Saturday, just a good day to get out there and mow the lawns, do the hedges. It's all brought to you by TUI Lawn Force. I'm sure they've got hedge cutters as well and things like that and ideas of what you can do properly. All righty, uh, this is time for the Workhorse of the Week brought to you by Midas Agritars, made in Europe and trusted by leading equipment manufacturers worldwide. So, Grunter, can I call you Grunter after two and a half hours? Is that, was that too familiar, Is that too familiar, yeah. that too familiar
4: quite, already? Well, it, depend, it depends. Oh. I normally don't like the name Grunter, but it okay. depends who it comes from. If I don't like the person, I don't like being called Grunter. Okay, well, I'm, fine. No, okay, I, no, I'm not. I don't say, mind I'm you not, calling me Grunter.
3: No, no. Oh, well, I know that. I know that's a, like a tick of approval. <laughs> but the fact that you don't like being called Grunter, uh, I'm not going to do it again. So Grunt with the bad South African accent.
4: <laughs> workhorse of the week. Okay, the workhorse of the, of the week actually goes to someone who I find um, he's had a fascinating career already. Um, And I'm just scrambling for his age. He's 28. So he's only 28, which I think is great. But he he, uh, debuted in 2018 for his T20s. It's Tim Seifert. Mm So 2018, he played against uh, England in Wellington. And he had quite a a number of failures before he smashed India. He got 84 off just 43 balls. um, And that was a year later, in February of 2019. And that's when he sort of announced himself, really. Um, And then he's sort of, I I feel like watching him, he's gone between playing an ultra-aggressive game plan to almost being a little bit more circumspect and maybe too risk-averse to now finding a nice balance in his game. And I think, you know, his 79 or 43 balls the other day against Sri Lanka showed us just how talented he was. But he's a player who at the age of 28 has gone through ups and downs, and I think sport is about how you get through those troughs, not necessarily riding the crests, because that's easy when you're at your best, but he's gone through some ups and downs, so I think we can expect some big things from Tim Seifert. So let's celebrate that, shall we?
1: Oh, he goes reverse, has he got it? Has he got it? He has got it. He finishes
0: in style. Great stuff from Tim Seifert. Victory for New Zealand here in Dunedin. They win in comprehensive fashion.
3: So there you go, Tim Seifert's out. Mitas retires. Workhorse of the week. European quality made affordable. Um, I was told I had to have a sort of like a, a, nom- a non-nomination. Is that
4: right? A, like a non or a, a my nomination? Oh, well. Well, Daniel McCarty's normally half empty, and he normally does a non-nomination and then a nomination, but I always do like his non-nomination. So, yeah, well, if you've got a non-nomination. Well, I don't know if it's a
3: non-nomination. I was thinking I was watching the footy last night, you know, the great game of rugby league, and watching my mighty doggies get pummeled, absolutely pummeled by the... By the Blimmin Roost, uh, the uh, the rabbits. Gosh, so many Blimmin Farmyard animals in the NRL, and um, <laughs> and there was a, a supposed hip drop by a young kid called I think it was Jacob Preston, who and it wasn't a hip drop. So they're going on about you know uh, if you can't. Uh, con- contact the back of a player's leg dr- and drop your hips on it because it caused all sorts of bother. And it was the worst decision. Even the commentator said that was just terrible. So my nomination, norma nominations for the the bunker. Just c- could you get this one right? Because players uh, 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 know they are not supposed to hip drop. They know it. They get caught out at practice. But then you go and do something that doesn't even look like a hip drop and call it a hip drop. Are you with me? You get where I'm coming from.
4: <laughs> yeah, I reckon Cindy Cindy Lauper definitely did a hip drop on her, um, <laughs> on the stage the other day. It was At age of 69, some of the moves there. Oh my there, God! Because you're gonna break a hip. There if you, you do a hip drop.
3: There aren't you, aren't you there you go. 12:20, 12:45, and he still thinks he's sexy after going to a concert. Back in a minute. <laughs> Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Heading towards 10 to 1 on a Saturday, the 8th of April 2023, around to New Zealand and also Australia. If you're listening in Australia on the SEN app, happy Easter to wherever you are listening. Also to you in New Zealand, I trust it's fine if it's not that you're just having some family time as well. Now, Grant has just popped up with a new segment. He's like he's constantly thinking. This guy's no dummy that can hit a ball, right? He he knows what he's doing, right? And a very deep and meaningful individual, as we've discovered. And I have learned over the last two hours and fifty minutes and had a bloody good Time doing it. So, what's the new segment?
4: The new segment is it? Is it t-shirts? Names for t-shirts? No, no,
3: no that's 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 a that's a latter segment. What about the the, the betting one? The bets you don't want to bet. Is that the one?
4: Oh oh, man, sporting it, bets. You have to run a mile from. Have, oh yeah, these. It was are, your idea, mate? Are, I
3: forgot about it.
4: Well, no, we, we we do do this every time. But Daniel McCarty has actually been. You want to run towards his bets at the moment. (laughs) And I normally do like a terrible multi um, that results in one of them losing. So like last week, I did the Drewer versus the Rebels. um, And obviously, the Drewer got up. So that was the one uh, multi that ruined my whole multi. But this week, um, I've got a few bets that I think might be of use for those listeners. All righty. So a run out in each innings, New Zealand versus Sri Lanka happening is it gives you eight dollars
3: wow that's not bad and
4: it's a t20 so like you think you know at the end of the innings there's definitely going to be one and, 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 and didn't one.
3: they lose eight for 50 in the last one so was any of those a run out yeah or was that just, uh not sure no it's just remember, Mil- think. that was just and Milne- skittling then, yeah. wasn't it
4: yeah there wasn't many run outs and then the other one is 16 plus combined runs for the first two overs that gives you three dollars
3: 16-plus combined runs for the first two hours. That's not a lot, is it? Oh, hang on. That's eight Yeah, and so that's of, eight each and off, of each innings. Of each innings. eight and over. Yeah. And
4: you must remember, Queenstown, normally a batting deck, that's where Corey Anderson got the world record, uh, what was it, 30-odd balls for 100, and then um, Jesse Ryder wasn't far behind him. What so is, it's a great batting deck. What
3: is it about cricketers who have memories like an encyclopaedia? The last person I spoke to was about ten years ago it was Scott Styrus, sitting watching the ASB Classic, and he was just coming up with the stats. and He said, "I said, what do you guys do all day?" He says, "Well, we stand around on a test and then we read a lot." Is that exactly what goes on? Because you guys have got memories like minds.
4: No, I, my memory's <laughs> not great My memory is not great at all uh, I, okay. I, I actually have forgotten half of my career When people go, remember that time? And I'm like, no, uh, I no, don't know. You,
3: you delib- no, you deliberately remember, but don't remember Because you don't want to talk to them And trust me, I've seen another <laughs> I work with another sportsman in the motorsport field Who have, I've seen it happen Some guys go, oh, gay Murph, mate, mate Remember me back in 2004 Bad this at the top of the hill We had that chat He goes, he just goes Nah, mate, and walks off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, okay, so here's a bet to stay away from: uh, from backing all the favourites in MMA. We spoke to Mike Angove, right? And you, we 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 went deep with him. So this 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr. is paying 140 in his fight. Kevin Holland, this is the main card, is paying a dollar 38. Adrian Yanez, 153. Gilbert Burns, the co-main event at 120. Israel Adesanya, favourite, 178 versus Pereira at two. So you stay away from all the favourites. Don't put anything on all the favorites because I don't think uh, uh, Kieran, he who knows many, much more than I do, says it's only happened once in his living memory. It's a short memory, though. It's a very short living memory, so, too.
4: Are you multiing that then? I don't know. Steven?
3: I don't bet. I wouldn't have a clue. A big, I, I know what a, a multi, multi does. Multi. That's a monster multi, but I don't think it would come off, to be fair. Now, look, t shirt options. That's far more fun. So I I wrote down um, watch out for the pine and trees, Grant Elliot. <laughs> Uh, this one from Mike Angove. It's milliseconds and millimeters, right?
4: Now, what have you got? No more hip drops. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, the ladies love salt and pepper. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure you said <laughs> And then Troy McLean, we're a group of champions. Yeah. Um, and then my last one is don't be dickhead parents. Be quiet and show them the love of sport. Oh, we've
3: missed one. We've missed one from the late, great Kenny McFadden. And this came from Troy McLean as well. I do like this. In fact, I would almost go out and get a T-shirt on this one. It costs to be the boss. Yeah, I like that. That so, is good. So if you're wanting any T-shirt ideas, uh, feel free to text us on double eight double three or whatever. We are just about done for this edition of the Saturday session. Uh, Grant, it's been a whole heap of fun uh, spending three hours with you, even though we're that far apart. I, I don't feel –
4: you know, I've had a good time. Uh, final T20s today. Who wins? How much? Uh, New Zealand. I'll tell you why New Zealand win. Because Sri Lanka, <laughs> this is like when you get to – a tough tour. You've got one foot on the plane. These guys have got both feet on the plane. They're in <laughs> Queenstown. They're just like, you wow. know what? We just want to get out of here. We want to go home. It's been a long tour. We've played so poorly. Sri Lanka have played really badly. they played well, and it's a decider. That's the only thing. is There is something to play for here for Sri Lanka to win the series, but I think it's New Zealand all the way, and right. I've really enjoyed uh, – both Kieran and yourself today. It's been awesome having you in Saturday. It's, it's,
3: hey, its we both saying It's nice to have been enjoyed. Uh, the best of luck to you in Pakistan calling in the, the New Zealand-Pakistan series, mate. Go well, travel safe, and we'll talk again. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter.